Hi, this is Sean Byrne, writer-director of The Devil's Candy, and this is Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Thanksgiving and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. This is episode 162, a themed episode where we'll discuss part one of Scary Scarecrows, or aka Straw-Headed Horror, a barnyard-kissing cousin of pig-headed horror. (laughs) 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 You know I try to work that in every single time I can. This episode is sponsored by our Movie Podcast Network patrons and Shudder, the Netflix for horror, where you can stream genre flicks in horror, sci-fi, crime, and mystery, and more. Try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, slash podcast, and use the promo code HMP. Horror Movie Podcast is a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and we bring you in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shockbecker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman, Josh, and Jay. They're not planting. Why would you put up a scarecrow? <laughs> you know what I thought you were going to use this time? I was trying to guess all day. I'm like, okay, what is Wolfman going to do? He's going to break it back. 1939, the OG, like if I only had a brain or something like that. I thought you were going <laughs> <laughs> to. Th- uh, the, the only other option I had was from Scarecrow's 1988. I was going to say, your birthday has been canceled. But that seemed a little, seemed like a veiled threat. So I decided not to go that <laughs> and see that's one of the movies we're talking about tonight listeners and that movie has so many quotable quotes i was laughing out loud throughout it was super funny but we'll get to that so josh i understand that this evening you are podcasting from a very creepy place for an episode of this topic I can't even tell you how freaked out i was getting set up for tonight's show <laughs> so for our listeners it's thanksgiving this week i'm in oregon as I often now travel to see my wife's family in Oregon and I'm in Eastern Oregon, which is rural countryside farmland area. Nice. And as listeners, longtime listeners will know, I often have difficulties broadcasting from here. I can't seem to find quiet places, places with internet signals. I've been on beaches and just weird locations. (laughs) This time, the only place that I could find with electricity and internet signal and somewhat quiet was this old barn (laughs) no it is it's about 50 yards from the house and it's there's this (laughs) dimly lit pathway cement path that goes through wood piles that are like stacked like eight feet tall and there are there's a small orchard of trees with no leaves that are all scraggly and you know halloween looking pumpkins lining the walkway no. And I come into this dark barn and I creak of the door open. And it's one of those things where I've been in here, you know, probably a half dozen times and thought nothing of it. 
with a head full of scarecrow movies. <laughs> I'm reaching my hand into the dark, like feeling around trying to find the light switch, not really wanting to fully commit to stepping into the barn <laughs> until I find the light switch. Yes. Wow. <laughs> So, I'm pre- I was pretty miserable until we got talking here. <laughs> so you're doing, you're actually doing like a dead serious horror challenge right now for the episode itself. That's pretty hardcore. Essentially, yeah. I mean, this barn is cool. He's outfitted it as like a kind of a man cave bachelor pad in terms, you know, for Eastern Oregon standards. It has a little loft with a movie projector and they've got like a rope swing and a foosball table inside but it's still you know unfinished there i'm surrounded by there's three motorcycles a three-wheeler and a four-wheeler uh you know an apple cider press you know it's it's still pretty rustic so um but yeah outside it is dark and creepy again you could say idyllic for the fall but again with this head full of scarecrow horror it was basically like a nightmare walking out here and and trying to set up out here in the dark without you know while i'm like starting the generator and stuff wow (laughs) if you can get us a a photo at some point before you leave this evening it'll have to to be a series of photos to like get the whole vibe but i'll put i'll get you like three or four photos and you can i'd love that that's awesome (laughs) yeah no honestly like one of my favorite things in the world is when when you get the podcast like on the road like when we did um like the i80 horror what was that called Mm -hmm. Um, i80 tapes yeah i80 tapes and like or like when somebody's just at a hotel somewhere in the middle of iowa or whatever it is that is my favorite thing to do i just absolutely love that because it's so memorable i remember um one time i was (laughs) i was podcasting from like my mom's car (laughs) out in the dark (laughs) by by this really creepy church that had this like cross lit up and lights and it was f- so freaky anyways yep yeah i remember yeah I, I when you get to do that like there, there's just nothing like it it's it's really cool but anyway thanks for telling us about it wolfman and you know at least you got some escape options there it sounds like with those various bikes <laughs> so if you need to Okay, for our theme discussion, we're going to be talking about the straw-headed horror of scary-ass scarecrows. <laughs> I had Dave talked into the hyphenated scary-ass scarecrows, but it just didn't stick for some reason, Dave. I don't know. Nah. But it's funny. I, I, I don't know why. Uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so, as I was listening to some of the, the voicemails that we're going to hear here shortly, I wanted to make sure that we kind of lay out the plan for this this is actually a part one because as we were looking at the movies oh, uh, <laughs> right right we well here's the thing we compiled we compiled like a whole list of the movies and there are like something like around 40 entries into this subgenre of horror and there are so many that i wanted to get to and we ended up like kind of throwing this together like a little bit shorter notice than usual actually and so here's my thought you guys Tonight, the the films that we're featured reviewing or discussing are kind of like the quote-unquote classics, or if you don't want to call them classics, they're the ones that people always talk about when this subject comes up. They always mention it. In fact, our our voicemail callers mention uh, some of these as well. And so that's one reason why we're kind of covering the major bases. But then uh, I have an idea... And I, I don't know if anybody would join me on this. I think there are a few, like Jody Horror Guy. But actually, I think it would be fun if um, 
I actually would like to, because remember how I was supposed to be punished for my uh, falling asleep during the Child's Play movies? Uh-huh. I would like to <laughs> to sufficiently, <laughs> I think I owe uh, Dave an army of Frankensteins thing, but 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 also, I, I think it would be fun to watch all of those Scarecrow movies, maybe do one a week for, you know, more or less for the next 40 weeks or so. And then when it's my turn again, <laughs> 40 weeks from now, <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being dead serious. When it's 40 weeks from now or thereabouts, and when it's my turn again for a themed episode, I'll be like, guys, okay, we're ready for uh, part two of <laughs> Scary Scarecrows. And then in that episode, we wouldn't talk about all 40 movies, but we could do like a top 10 list and maybe a bottom 10 top, list. Top 10 and bottom 10. Do you think maybe it'd be like a top five? Yeah. Bottom 50. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe something like that and i and i i realize that you two will not want to participate in watching all those movies but maybe what do you mean spend the better part of a year watching scarecrow movies why do you say i would never dream of subjecting you to that but i but uh, you know i mean because dave dave spends a lot of time revisiting uh texas chainsaw uh what is it number four dave or something like but yeah. but but anyway <laughs> Yes, I've seen it. I think I've seen it three times. No, three, two or three times, and it's two or three times too many. But yes, I've I've revisited that one, so I probably could make it through these forty scarecrow movies. (laughs) So of the of the forty or so titles we have here, and is that including the television episodes, the kind of prominent television series episodes? Yeah, and I'm not as interested in those. Just putting it out there because I'm not as much a TV guy, but all the feature films, I would like to subject myself to those because I feel like, you know, it would be nice to present a definitive list, at least from from my opinion. And if we get enough listeners who want to embark on this challenge with me, like like somebody like Jody, for example, um, if they did, you know then they could either like if there are only like one or two of them, they could come on the show and help us out. Or if there are like more, like uh, I don't know, three or more, like five or more or something, we could, we could put together their numbers, blend the data like we do at the end of the year list. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, and then have like a There's list. There's a lot of interest in this episode. Otherwise <laughs> I know people are already turned this right. off. They're like, to hell with this <laughs> anyways uh, it's just an uh, idea of, of the 40 or so movies and prominent television series i've only ever heard anything positive of about 10 of those and i've only heard people actually recommend about four or five of those right so, yeah i i feel like it's going to be a long year jay but but let me just say number one i deserve it because of the i feel bad about the child's play thing and number two the reason is there were about, as I was researching for this episode, um, before we picked the ones that we were going to talk about tonight, uh, I actually, I wrote down like at least seven or so that I'm like, okay, well that sounds promising. I mean, like, like just the, just to give you an example. I mean, this, this cracks me up here. I, I got to say this right up front for, for dark harvest three scarecrow from 2004, <laughs> the IMDB premise on this just made me laugh it says quote a killer scarecrow kills some people (laughs) just that is so that is so funny to me and that's really what all these are it's just killer scarecrows killing people and i get that but i don't know why some of them sound more interesting to me than others but i do appreciate this 
almost as much as I appreciate pig-headed horror, but not quite as much. The the thing that stood out to me, one of the many things that stood out to me as we were preparing was the series, uh, starting with 2002's Scarecrow, uh, the sequel, Scarecrow Slayer, and the third film of that series is called Scarecrow Gone Wild. And I'm like, really? That's <laughs> They made it to that after only three? <laughs> I know. I just I just bought that one off of Dave recently, actually. Yeah, and I think you got the original Scarecrows, right? Yes, Baby I did. Scarecrows, you were the one who got that. Okay, because... Yes, I did. I don't know why I went looking for it. In your face, I, Joel Robertson. Like, Sorry. What? I was just yeah, yeah, right. telling uh, off Joel. Uh, you beat, that, you beat him to that one. But I went looking for it. I said, I know I own this. And then I went back and said, oh, wait, Jay's got it now. That's right. Because thank I do. goodness it was on Amazon Prime. Because you know what? I, I'd seen it. I reviewed it for the blog. But it was in May of 2011. Wow. And as I was watching it, I realized that I had remembered very little of it. So mm-hmm. it was almost like seeing a lot of it new. Yeah. And you probably do watch a lot of movies nude. I didn't see anyway, it. Anyway, I'm just, I'm, mad. I'm, I'm a little wound up today. I'm sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Josh is totally silent. Oh, it's going to be a long as well, night. As well he should be. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a long night. I can feel this. Okay. Anyways, that's kind of the plan for part two. Let me know if there's interest in that. But anyways, just, just to start out, let's kick this off um, officially with a, something smart. And that's a voicemail from Vicious Victor. Hey, guys. Vicious Victor from Seattle here. What makes scarecrows scary? Well, they fit nicely into what's been termed the uncanny valley. That's the eerie feeling we get when we register the gap between ourselves and our inanimate representations. Now, if I had to pick a favorite scarecrow-themed horror movie, it would be Dark Night of the Scarecrow from 1981. A mentally challenged man is wrongfully accused and executed by a mob when his killers begin to die one by one in the presence of a really creepy-looking scarecrow, it might be a coincidence, or is it justice from beyond the grave? It's a made-for-TV movie that turned out surprisingly well. I give it a 7.5 out of 10 and a recommendation to rent. Oh, by the way, in real life, I've been feeding the crows around the strange high house in the mist. That's where I live. A few uh, unsalted peanuts from time to time. And let me tell you, they are into it. I'm not kidding when I say they've initiated an exchange program for more peanuts. So far, they've dropped these items in front of me. An old bone, a length of red ribbon, a silver earring, a ninja. It's a tiny plastic crouching ninja figure about the size of a thumbnail. (laughs) And what looks to be a piece of someone's car. Everything they've given to me, except the bone, I hope, uh, came from human society. It's disturbing how smart they are. Anyway, it certainly can't hurt to have more scarecrows in my life. So (laughs) I look forward to checking out your recommendations from the show. Until next time, take care, guys. (laughs) That crow story is incredible, right? That's That's really cool. That's awesome. Victor, thank you. That was amazing. And I love where he starts with this because he starts talking about the uncanny valley. Because when I was starting to think about, okay, well, why why would... Why would our culture or filmmake, horror filmmaking culture, why would they go to scarecrows? And it's like, well, first of all, they do look like people. They're in our likeness and it's uncanny and that's disturbing. And so when you see a scarecrow, there is that question uh, that's kind of in the back of your head. Is that is that a person? And also, they kind of look like um, a dead body or a corpse. 
Mm-hmm. And there's also like the crucifixion um, imagery of it. I mean, they, right. I, and I wonder about that. I mean, I think uh, particularly, I think crucifixion would disturb anyone who learned of it in history, of course. But, but I think that especially for those um, of a Christian faith, they might, you know, that, that holds a, a certain, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, not not fear as much as just it's just horrifying i mean it's an awful torturous death and and so there's that um do you guys i mean i i just want to ask about your thoughts real quick on uncanny uncanny valley the the appearance of scarecrows what do you think yeah i can see that i mean going back to the film you mentioned the probably original scarecrow movie the wizard of oz there is something uncanny about that character from the moment we first see him and his death, as it were, in that film is pretty disturbing uh, because, you know, you've grown to love him as this uh, character that we've, you know, attributed a human personality to. And then he's picked apart by crows and, or by, uh, I guess, flying monkeys <laughs> and his right. body parts scattered around. I mean, that's a pretty disturbing image, but uh, it's because of his humanity, right? And um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you with the dead body. Uh, element and i you know you see that in many of these movies that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. you see that scarecrow hanging there it's it's just a creepy thing because you you think is that is it a person is it not a person is it about to lunge at me um you know it's almost humanity is an, definitely an element that makes it creepy yeah yeah and and the whole crucifixion thing i mean if you go back to it a lot of you know the public crucifixions were almost served in part as you know as a punishment for for wrongdoing but also as a warning if you think about it i mean with other people sort of seeing this you know so what we're now using to scare crows uh was originally designed to you know to scare people to under the straight and narrow or at least you know as roman to at least uh you know whatever the roman way of life was mm-hmm. that's a great point i like that yeah, and, and the other thing I thought about is, I mean, I think cornfields a lot of time are creepy to people, especially at night, because you just don't know what's out there in the field, and the it blows in the wind, and it sways, and it's like, okay, and, and when you see them out there, here's the thing, they're out there all night, they're out there all the time, and it's like they're always watching and waiting, they're kind of stoic, and and it's there's something very unsettling about someone about a being who stands and holds fast in a place that they shouldn't be, that's an unnatural place to be where they're not afraid. I've got a quick uh, campfire tale. It's really short about this. One time I was driving to my friend's house. It was really late. We were coming home super late, and it was like 1 a.m. or something, and there was a graveyard on the way to his house, and I don't know why, (laughs) but... There was just this this person, like a being. It could have, honestly, I believe in spirits. It, it could have been a ghost, I guess. But I, I'm passing this graveyard, and I see this person, like my headlights kind of catch the person and light the person up. And they're standing, not with a flashlight, but in the pitch black and facing into the graveyard, into the blackness, standing, holding perfectly still, just staring out into the graveyard. And as we pass, they don't move, they don't flinch. And it is clearly unmistakably a person. And and it just, it 
creeped me out so bad because I'm like, what, what is that person doing? Like, even, even if you think, okay, that's a grieving person, somebody they love just died and they're coming down there to stand and like, I mean, even that, that level of grief, that depth of, of sorrow is horrifying to me. And so that that's, that takes me back to the whole scarecrow thing. When somebody is standing in a spot where they shouldn't be, where they should be unsettled, but they're comfortable with it, yeah, it freaks me out. So yeah, that's that's really creepy. So actually, one time I um, and this is a trick I've tried. I, maybe I shouldn't tell uh, the podcast listeners this in case somebody tries to scare me one of these days. <laughs> but but sometimes you guys are gonna make fun of me, but. If I if I get in a situation when I would otherwise be scared, like um, like maybe I'll end up in like um, it, it's hard to describe one off the top of my head. But like if I'm if I'm down in a basement or something, I actually do this psychological thing. Like if I get freaked out about something or like you know a movie I watched recently pops into my head, I, I do two things. Number one, I think, wait a second. I'm Jay of the Dead. I'm dead serious about horror movies, right? That's the first thing I do. Like anybody cares who Jay of the Dead is. But the second thing I do is <laughs> I, I stand still and kind of bask in it. Like, do you know that line in um, uh, The Dark Knight Rises when Bane, when, when Bane says to uh, Batman something to the effect of, You've only adopted the darkness. I was born in it. You know, like, I think that's freaking cool. And and yes, I'm one of those people, like, as a horror fan, I've only adopted the darkness, so to speak. But I, I wasn't born in it. But I think there's something about being comfortable standing in the midst of potential horror. Like, like Josh is right now. I mean, there could be somebody creeping up behind him from the outside. <laughs> and, and, and he's not even aware of it, you know? What do you guys think about that? No, I'd well, like that to know your last example. Yeah, right. What does Josh think about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was hearing noises outside while you were saying that outside this window. <laughs> Not stoked about that. <laughs> the feng shui in here is really bad. My back to the door. <laughs> Not loving that. <laughs> I love it. This is so much Jay, fun. You were born in the darkness, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's just, it's just. I know, I know. And, and here's the other thing. And, and Dave, Dave hit on this, but this is cool about scarecrows. The fact that it is designed with the intent to scare. It's, it's meant to be scary. You know, that's, that's the first thing. I mean, scarecrows are meant to be scary to birds, but I like where Dave took it, where, you know, people who were crucified, it's like that scene in the beginning of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where there's pirates that are strung up and lynched and it says uh pirates you be warned right like it's it's a warning and i i think that's kind of freaky too did i tell sorry this is way off talk did i tell you that i went to that rock when i was in barbados or st vincent i'm not sure what i can't remember which one it was in it was oh, in st vincent really i went to the you be warned rock and it was kind of creepy like going on a boat by there i mean just because yeah your image in your head is from those people being hung from there, it was a little bit menacing. <laughs> that is, that is freaky. But they didn't still have any like fake skeletons no. hanging there. No, but that, but that harbor, they do have like the Pirates of the Caribbean set is still standing, and there are like skeletons and stuff and and um, cannons along the coastline there. Oh, that's they cool. left it there for tourists to come look at. But. That's very cool. 
real quick, and another thing with scarecrows, and, and I know this is something that's common now, but I'm going back to like probably 1980, where, you know, our neighbor had set up a scarecrow, you know, leading up the Halloween on his front porch. And then, of course, on Halloween night, he himself got into the scarecrow suit yes, and then jumped up and scared everybody. <laughs> it was something I had, you know, it was our next door neighbor. I was used to seeing this thing every day for at least a couple weeks and not thinking anything of it. And then when he suddenly just lunges up, it's because you just don't know what's behind the mask. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about, you, you know, you were saying it could be a corpse. It could be somebody. And you come to think it's like, it looked exactly the same. I mean, the way he had set it up, it looked exactly the same as it had been for two weeks. And yet he was able to, to mimic that and, uh, you know, to scare the hell out of us and, and, and successfully. That is brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh, it was, uh, this guy was, this guy was crazy. Every Halloween he would try something <laughs> and every Halloween, I don't know why he'd always get us. Yeah, uh, there's a, and I'm sorry we're so random tonight, listeners, but this is this is when yours was applicable, Dave. Mine is not. There's a dude a couple streets over that that is really good on stilts, and his Halloween costume he gets on stilts, and he's always this menacing thing, and it is very upsetting to approach that guy on stilts because he's like you know I can imagine it, like yeah you know ten feet tall or something. It's freaky. Anyways, um. Yeah, so I, I love that idea. And the fact that, and that's the thing about scarecrows is is you don't really expect them necessarily to move, but there's always that chance that they might. You know what I mean? There's always like, what if this thing grabs me? Right. It's it's it, it, like, it's it's a person. It's, it's shaped like a person, two legs, two arms. I mean, it, it it's not out of the realm, of, at least in your mind, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this thing will suddenly move. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, not at all. You know, on the topic of so, did we get an email or a voicemail from our listener David in the UK? No, not yet. Friend of the show, David. Okay, well, I'm going to read some of his comments that he left because, oh, first of all, David, come on, man, just leave a voicemail. I think he's left. A, has he left a voicemail before? I think he has. Yeah, he just huh? thinks he sounds dumb, so he doesn't like to do it. Like, no, he's. I told him first of all, you're super smart. Second of all, you have a British accent, so you instantly exactly. outsmart all of us. British, so, British accent, exactly. Right. So he could read the he could read the script for one of these scarecrow movies out loud and sound brilliant. He sounds yeah. smart and sexy. Yeah, right. He actually is smart and sexy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Well, go, go. well, one thing he mentioned <laughs> just in passing um, was that people thought Matthew Shepard's body was a scarecrow when they first saw it, which is super disturbing in real life horror um, right there. But well, you know, wait a second, thought, catch me up on that. Catch me up on that story. So Matthew Shepard was a young man who was killed presumably because he was a homosexual in a small town in Wyoming. And um, he was beaten and tortured and left to die basically. And, um, According to David, the people thought his body was a scarecrow when they first saw it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's horrifying. That's very upsetting and sad. But David was saying, don't forget that, you know, the scarecrow dates back to ancient origins for a lot of different cultures. Spans many different cultures, he says. I think there were iterations of them in ancient Greece, Native American culture, and pre-feudal Japanese culture. He also says here that uh, don't forget to bring up Priapus, the Greek god associated with scarecrows, who is also famous for his perma boner. Nice. <laughs> the the uh, the, a, the precursor a of uh, 
Yes, the precursor of um, the red pill, right? Or is it blue pill? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> My goodness. What? The red pill or the blue pill? I don't know which. I don't know what they are. <laughs> what, what is this, the Matrix? Glad I'm not edit- editing this episode. <laughs> Who said so anything yeah, about then, editing? Then, so that's fascinating. And then, you know, as we've talked about, the crucifixion visual parallels David talks about here, and that, you know, he wondered if that might be particularly interesting to any of us because of our religious backgrounds. I don't know that there's symbology built into it intentionally, but it certainly brings a lot of things to mind when you think about it. But I don't know that, like you said, the intention is just simply to scare away crows, right? Right. Right. But, but if, if you were, if you were to view it from the Christian perspective, um, and and this is on the surface. So I'm just, I'm going to take, take you guys here just for a second to riff on what you're saying, Josh, like with, with Christians, Christians believe that um, Christ was crucified, but that was, that was part of the plan and that he was resurrected on the third day. And so thereby overcoming death and so forth. But um, those at the time in, in, in Rome and, and also those who, who do not believe in that story, that aspect of the story, they might, they might see it as, okay, your, your hope, quote unquote, your hope that you had was, you know, uh, extinguished in this way. So like somebody who doesn't have that hope or faith in that concept, um, they would see it as the, okay, that was the end of the line for your hope, so to speak. Right. And so I could see that being, you know, for, for people who don't believe in that, they could say, oh, that's, that's dark, you know, that that took a dark turn, you know. Anyway, sorry, was was there more from David? Uh, the only other comments that he said he had seen Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and Scarecrows from 1988 because people had expressed some affection toward them. He didn't really remember liking either of them too much, remember much about them, but the one he really enjoyed is the J-Horror film uh, called Scarecrow, which is on our list, I believe, of... Mm-hmm. films to talk about so yeah he i guess david recommends the j-horror yeah film. Nice. So he thought it was pretty atmospheric and eerie although maybe too slow paced and subtle for jay oh uh, right right thanks david <laughs> i always like it when people are looking out for me in my small mind <laughs> small-minded ways it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little, it might be above you jay uh, i'm sure it is um so what about this though the fact okay so I knew, and, and I'm going to watch, we're going to have somebody out there who listens, who works in a, um, what do you call that, at a funeral home that works in the morgue or the embalming? Mort- mortician? Thank or? you, mortician. Thank you, cheese. I know Eric Yvonne works in a, in a morgue. Okay, mm-hmm. so Eric. He's a mortician. Eric, you can straighten me out on this where my facts might run astray, but uh, this is another thing I drew on this scarecrow thing my understanding from we had a friend of the family and I was young when I learned about this so this might be where my memory is wrong but um, it's very disturbing to learn what is done with the a body in order to prepare it for you know embalming and the the burial process and all that stuff like you know it's my understanding is and if this is BS, just tell me, but, but the, the, the body, the body is drained of blood. Right. And I, I've also heard about like, uh, them putting in like, 
a rotorooter kind of thing, like in your, <laughs> like up your nostril and like scrambling your brains and then like sucking it out with a, a hose. Just hor- <laughs> horrifying stuff. Um, I, well, are you think you're talking about like mummification? I know that was a big thing with mummification. Not so much the hose; they would pull it out with a hook. Oh my goodness, that's so upsetting. Yeah, but yeah. So, and I could be like overlapping things, but the, the I, I think the the point remains that um, there are some very horrific sounding and scary type prep that go on in order to um, prepare a body, and it's weird because. You know, they end up putting like tons of, what is it, formaldehyde or something? I don't know. It's probably something. Yeah, like, formaldehyde, I think. Something yeah. in the body to preserve it and so forth. And and it's weird that scarecrows are this body shape and they're stuffed. They're filled with straw. They're sewn together. Much like, like a dead body's lips are sewn together. And, and you know, how they're sewn kind of into place and... Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, like <laughs> that's a little creepy to me. And so I think I wonder if that whole like you know filling a body up with something and sewing it. I I wonder if that aspect creeps us out because of its parallels to like death preparation. I just wonder about that. Certainly, huh. it's, poss- <laughs> it's certainly possible. Yeah. I mean, I I never thought of it before to be honest with you, but. Uh... <clears throat> I guess I will now. Right. Yeah. You've certainly creeped us out tonight, Jay. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and the other thing, okay, now now this is the one I'd love for you guys to run with and riff on this because I, I ha- I'm not sure what to make of it. But in a way, if you think about it, a scarecrow is a protector of food. Protector of food. So mm-hmm. if they're there to, you know, scare away the crows, keep them from right. eating the crop and stuff, it's like... Is that bad? I mean, what what horror parallels do we have there? I, I I was drawing a blank, but I just wondered if there's some something. Well, you could say that. whether it's to eat the food or because it's your livelihood, it is essentially protecting your life, right? It's it's protecting your oh. family's income if you're a farmer, or if it's you're you're farming for yourself, it's protecting your family's uh, literal income in terms of their right, terms right. Of what they're eating. I got I got to tell you I'm I'm wondering now that you know as we're talking about this I didn't I didn't look into this I have no idea how it works like how many scarecrows do you put and like what is the the the, the sort of acreage that one scarecrow defends Is this is, this sounds like a joke like how many scarecrows no, no, does it well, take it, it, to it might sound like that yeah <laughs> I mean, it might be coming across that way but I'm I'm dead you know I'm I'm very serious how many like if you put a scarecrow there how how far away do you have to put the next scarecrow how far how much do they uh protect how much does one scarecrow protect like in the sort of square around him before you have to put another one up it's just it, it's very interesting to me because i'm just i'm wondering like how far does a crow see like how far would a crow be uh, see these things and be afraid of them well as the crow flies no i'm just kidding let me let me see yeah, i was, I was- <laughs> And I don't know. I don't have an Sorry. answer for this. This is just something I was thinking about as I as I was watching some of these movies. Because in some of the movies, you get you get you get three scarecrows right next to each other, and in other ones, they're they're it seems like you know hundreds of yards away from each other. I got you. I got the answer. I've got an answer too. Okay. So let's compare. Right. Yeah. Let's compare notes. What What did you find, Joshua? Um. So this article is from Washington city paper. It's called do scarecrows really work 
the science of keeping birds away from your gardens. And it talks about how um, there have been several studies of scarecrows, more commonly termed mannequins or effigies in the technical literature. As one might deduce, given the scarcity of actual working scarecrows as opposed to the showbiz variety, the old-fashioned stuffed dummy doesn't accomplish much. One series of tests with mannequins protecting a simulated soy field from doves found each scarecrow could protect between 0.03 to 0.06 acres. You'd need at least 16 scarecrows per acre, or more than 10,000 per square mile. And even then, you'd lose effectiveness once the birds got used to them. Right. Yes. Wow. Wow. And see, your answer is way more legit than mine because I think mine has to do with some sort of agricultural video game called Stardew Valley. <laughs> I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't heard of it, but they have its own uh, <laughs> Wikia fandom, and it says the range of a scarecrow is eight tiles in all directions, a diameter of seventeen. So, for those who are interested in Stardew Valley, whatever that is, those scarecrows. But but yes, you're you're correct, Josh, because I've heard that once they get used to it. In fact, let me tell you this. I don't have a scarecrow on my roof, but I do have a scare dove. I don't know if that's what it's called, but it's an owl. It's a fake owl on my roof because we we have stupid pigeons or morning doves or something on our roof. Mm. And um, it's very problematic sometimes. And that owl looks real. It's amazing. But it it only took them a couple of days, and they're like, "Whatever, that's not a real owl." <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I, I was going to say I live in a in an area where there are a lot of um, farms, and I don't recall ever seeing a scarecrow in this area. Interesting. Well, so I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if they're still creeping around at night around the back of your house. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. That's why I don't see them, <laughs> Dave. Um, but I'm just wondering if they're behind you. If they're if they're still well, I'm I'm sitting in front of my computer, Josh. I could yell that at you a couple yeah, times. Yeah, right. I'm cross. sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> there is, <laughs> but but I'm just wondering if they're if they're still if they if if there are still people out there who think they're a viable uh, protection. Well, Dave, I will I will answer your question and I'll raise it with two ears of corn. No, like there there was uh <laughs> was Stephen King's wife, um. There was a stair, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. She has a Scarecrow. <laughs> Do you remember that show? Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Holy you remember that oh show? Boy. What's next, Simon and Simon? Or, yeah. Simon and Simon. I love Simon. I just watched Simon and Simon on a Magnum P.I. crossover a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. We're talking about all these 80s TV shows, and the people who are born later than the 80s are like, what are these guys talking about? Well, you know, it was funny because I I searched Amazon, or I searched uh, scarecrows on Amazon Prime, and Scarecrow Mrs. King did come up as one of the search results. So that's right. I thought that was funny. <laughs> there you go. So just one last thing on the real scarecrows. I'm reading. It says that um, the uh, human-like scarecrows that popped up from a double propane cannon were very successful in keeping blackbirds from feeding on over four to six acres. Of sunflowers, so uh, some claim you can improve the effect- effectiveness of your scarecrow by um, rigging them to move, make noise, and uh, the propane-powered version of these scarecrows, yeah, apparently increase the um, 
or decrease the bird damage by 84%. So, wow. Yeah. I was wondering if you, somebody could maybe put like a, like some sort of a voice box in one, like a mechanic, like a electronic voice box that it mm. screams, it screams out every, I guess if they pop up or, or yeah. move and some people have tried putting uh, reflective streamers and pinwheels, although there's no documented evidence that that works better. Uh, the main thing that they said it has to do with is bird population in your area. <laughs> so basically, if there are a ton of birds, you're going to be less and less successful with scarecrows. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. As I'm sure horror fans were dying to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. They're like, is this the um, agricultural podcast or? Well, you know, we were accused of <laughs> agricultural horror by uh, one Juan. That That is right. That is right. Um <laughs> It's amazing. So, so really, I guess we should look at this. Then it's almost like the antithesis or the natural enemy of the scarecrow is obviously fire, like as with Frankenstein's monster, but also crows, right? So, maybe the way to combat scarecrows, I don't know, maybe not. But what about? So there have been scarecrows in popular culture. We talked about. What were you saying? What were you saying? You, if you're being chased by a scarecrow, release some crows. Yeah, may, maybe I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> if you, <laughs> why, why do we we talk about the dumbest stuff on this podcast? And it's it's, it's usually the themes well, that I pick. I was I was you laid the path. <laughs> I was just walking down it. I, I'm just talking about this theme in general. It's just like, what are we doing talking about scarecrows? Anyways. Um, Who could have thought of this? What about what about um, in the recent, you know, Christopher Nolan Batman movie? Speaking of those again, um, you had the the character of Scarecrow, and I love the way that that is rendered in there in that movie because he he's actually pretty freaky, right? Like he he puts on that mask and it's just like this burlap sack, oh, yeah. but because of the um, hallucinogen that he's you know sprays on his victims. It makes them have this like a psychological enhancement of the mask and makes it even freakier. Right. That's pretty cool stuff, right? So, and it's and it's neat how he talks about, you know, in the lore of this. And I'm not a comic book, you know, expert or anything, but at least in the film, he talks about how some psych psychiatric patients will assign, you know, an image or a, a certain like identity to their tormentor. And I think it's cool that that character chose for his tormentor character to be a scarecrow. That, that's that sack in general. I mean, if you think about it with, with Jason and Friday the 13th part two, and mm -hmm. not that they look necessarily exactly like scarecrows, but if you think about it, there's, there's a little bit of a similarity or was it the town that dreaded sundown? Oh yes. And those are really, I, I actually really prefer I can't say prefer because, you know, you got used to Jason with the hockey mask and I thought it was pretty cool too. But that look in, in, in part two is, I thought, really strong. And uh, it was obviously influenced by the town that dreaded sundown. Another really strong killer mm -hmm. in that film. And there's something just extra creepy about it with that, with that burlap sack over their head. Yeah. Because who would do that? That's weird, right? I mean, that's right. There's something so unnatural about, and maybe I wonder if that, that like goes back to our childhood psyche of, um, do you remember, and, and maybe this is completely wrong, like there's the dunce cap, were, were children punished at some point by putting a bag over their head, <laughs> or is that, that might just totally way off on that? 
Um, I don't think I went so. To, I, I went, really extreme punishment. It seems. I went. To, I went to Catholic <laughs> school, and even I've never heard of that. Okay, <laughs> that's terrible. Anyways, yes. I well, maybe kidnap victims or something. Yeah, I mean, there's something about yeah. a burlap yeah, sack I'm over sure, the yeah. head that Absolutely. that scares us on some kind of level, and maybe that's why. Um. So what we did is we actually compiled this list just for the listeners' interest. And we did. We ended up with an impressive number. I think, you know, putting them together, because we, we did this separately, putting them all together, I think we came up with somewhere around like 40, it, it's about 40 titles. Now, some of those are, um, you know, at least like I found like six or seven short films. And some of these are kids shows like, um, like, a really interesting one to me is Curious George Halloween Boo Fest from 2013. That right. actually, the uh, quote-unquote monster in that little kid's story is a scarecrow. And that's a really, that's a very cool story, actually, the way that unfolds. I like that one. Yeah. And you found one, too, Josh, from Scooby-Doo, right? Yeah, Scooby-Doo and the Spooky Scarecrow from the same year, 2013. I I think that's a really effective episode. I mean, it's they did these um, not episodes necessarily. I guess they did these standalone films around that era. Mm-hmm. There was one with the Tiki God in Hawaii. There was uh, Abominable Snowman. Um, you know, they they did a whole series of films at that time, and yeah, Spooky Scarecrow was pretty good. Yeah, and um, I I know that at the beginning you mentioned about the Wizard of Oz. Now, yeah, I know you included that on the list. Tell me more about um, wh- how that comes in. Is that because of the witch element and a lot of little kids are afraid of that. Or is it because of the disturbing elements of what I mean, happens I mean, yeah, to the him? Scarecrow isn't necessarily the horror character in the wizard of Oz, but I think that wizard of Oz is arguably a horror fantasy film. I think the, the witch is disturbing mm-hmm. as a, as a young child, the flying oh, monkeys yeah. still are deeply disturbing to me to this day. <laughs> right. And th- that was the film that I watched every year for during the Halloween and Thanksgiving season. It was just on TV in the mm-hmm. fall and it was a movie that we we watched every year and that freaked the crap out of me as a little kid I, and i'll tell you what really i mean yes those elements definitely got me too but what really got me of that from that movie is that tornado that they showed yeah. just sort mm-hmm. of bearing down on them it, it for a movie in 1939 that tornado it actually whenever i would hear like there's a tornado warning i would think of that movie and it would scare the hell out of me yeah also, the Tin Man rusting, that really freaked me out. The apple, the trees coming to life and throwing their apples really freaked me out. Yeah. There are a lot of kind of scary, nightmarish images for the era that it was released in. There's also, and this is very loose, very loose, but there's also a moment of pig-headed horror. Not exactly pig-headed, but when she falls in the pig pen, everybody gets really scared for her well-being because of how dangerous pigs are. Just wanted right. to throw it out there. But you know what? This is a true story. And I won't certainly what the Wizard of Oz is best remembered for is the pig headed <laughs> Absolutely that that five second uh clip uh, where she fell in the pig pen. Let me just okay, I, I promise not to rabbit hole this too much, but I want to tell you the truth. Too when, late. When I when I was when I was seventeen years old, I'm not kidding you. I had not heard that whole uh lore or perhaps fact. Some people still swear by this. About the uh, the person 
I believe it was uh, one of the munchkins, I don't know, hanging themselves in the Wizard of Oz, blah, 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 right? I, I know, this has been talked to death, so we won't spend right. time on it here. But I do want to say, when I first heard about that, at age 17, I was in high school. I don't know why, that freaked me out so much. I, I, I believe I was on a date, believe it or not. I know, it's it's a shock. But I was on a date, and, and I heard <laughs> my date told, <laughs> told me about that. told him. Yeah, it was my sister. No, I don't. Have, I don't have any sisters, but my cousin is very fun to hang out with. I'm just kidding. So, hey, kissing cousins. We've talked about that already. This episode. Uh, that's right. I, I could say something about West your West Virginia roots, but I'll let that go. And that's what we're riffing on, Dave. Where have you been, Pennsylvania? <laughs> um. So, anyways, like when she told me this, I was seriously like flipped out, kind of like freaked out in my head. And then when I, I went home and stuff, I, I just couldn't imagine it that like this would be caught on film and so forth. And and I have seen versions that may or may not be doctored. And anyway, we won't go into it. We'll save that for another time. Not tonight. Tonight's already off the rails. I think I read I read what it actually was. And even that's a little bit unsettling as it was a flamingo because they had all of these live birds on the set i guess from i don't know if it was from munchkin land i don't know what it was and they just couldn't gather them all together at the end and they were just sort of running wild on the set that it was actually a flamingo back there you're uh to quote dr moody dave you're uh, tempting me into the bad parts of town but i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go there <laughs> because because you guys cannot even comprehend how much time I spent researching this, like way too many hours of my life. So I'm not, I'm not going to subject the listeners to it. Anyways, mo- moving on from that, um, we had, so I'm just going to run down through, there, there are like a million movies, like seriously, I bet you there are like 10, 10 to 15 named Scarecrow from various different years, <laughs> which is, yes. I know. Can I ask you one question about this genre? Yeah. Jay, subgenre? Mm-hmm. I actually, as we started researching it, I thought, you know, I really like the aesthetic of this a lot. Mm-hmm. And if there were a really good Scarecrow movie, I think I'd be really into it. Um, but as I thought about it from your perspective, I thought, you know, Jay typically doesn't like paranormal films. Pretty much by default, the vast majority of these movies our parent or you know supernatural in some way mm-hmm. right because you're you have an inanimate object coming to life and killing people for the most part so what is your reaction to that ben as you've watched some of these movies are you, do you still find it scary are you still interested in this as a monster yeah that's a great question i think the reason it um intrigues my mind is because of what we talked about where when you when you approach a scarecrow there's just something unsettling about it and you do you just aren't quite sure and and like dave's story of his neighbor on the porch it's like you know i i've seen things like that happen before you know and it was all in good fun of course but but i'm just saying the fact that you know it could like like i i typically don't walk down unless i'm driving to my friend's house at one o'clock in the morning i don't see like a ghost in the graveyard but but i you know i don't see a ghost like uh show up out of nowhere but you do see a scarecrow and it is it is in the physical world and it's like okay well what if that physical thing it, it's kind of i guess i would compare it to the same reason that corpses 
are kind of creepy. It's unsettling to be by near a dead body. And it's weird because um, what what film was it I watched recently where <laughs> where the um, the the adult said to the kid, it's not the dead bodies you have to worry about. It's the live ones that are dangerous. And that's so true. Like it's not it's not the dead bodies that are scary. Um because they're not going to do anything to you. What could a dead body possibly do to you, right? Because they're dead. But there's that there's <laughs> there's that possibility, right? There maybe like who knows? Like that'd be creepy. So I I guess that's right. what it is. <clears throat> do you, do you consider them like a beastly freak more than a, than the supernatural? Is that what it is? Or I love that you asked that because I actually was asking myself that same question last night as I was um thinking about this topic i'm like are they beastly freaks and i and i don't think they are i do think they fall um more in the supernatural now i do i do love the scenarios where you have someone dressed up like a scarecrow like i i know that's not always the case right Mm. usually it is supernatural but but it's even it's even freakier to me if some weirdo you know just dressed up like a scarecrow Mm-hmm. And then started hacking people up mm-hmm. as a scarecrow. I mean, that's then it's a slasher, right? But, um, but yeah, I, I guess the ones we're talking about that are supernatural, that are animated somehow. Yeah, I see it as supernatural. So, you guys are right. This is one. This is one okay. place where I'm more open to supernatural. I guess. So, just the thing is, I'll just kind of read down through, and if you guys see something or there's something you want to comment on just feel free but like um you know there there are there's the dark harvest series of movies Mm. um we're going to be talking about dark knight of the scarecrow a little more here momentarily um there's um there's one that i'm interested in called hallowed ground so i mean i'm sure that's going to be coming up i've heard people talk about jack o from 1995 I think we should mention all of them just as long as we're here. Right? All right. Be completest about it. Okay. Let me, let me start at the top of this here and just yell if I miss anything. I get aliens versus scarecrows versus zombies. And well, <laughs> what we have listed there, that's in pre-production. Okay, maybe not all of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. okay. Yeah. Cause there are like, you know, 40 something. Okay. We're already here. Okay. Here <laughs> we go. Yeah. This, this episode is already terrible anyway so so children of the corn three urban harvest okay we got chilling you saw that right or no i was i was planning to possibly see it for this episode but then i ended up not getting a chance to see it um this to see the other three films but um and the only reason was is i have children of the corn two and three in a double movie set so Uh, i see i was thinking if i could watch it but i didn't get a chance to and I, I, I don't I don't know what I don't I don't usually like watching a movie like in the middle of a series, even something like Children of the Corn. I mean, I know the first one I did enjoy, but you don't hear a lot about the rest of them. Um, but I didn't get a chance to now. I'm just mad. It's called Urban Harvest. Well, I will say our, our good friend, friend Matt Greenberg, he he worked on this, but he's never seen it. <laughs> he had such a bad experience working on the screenplay board. <laughs> Oh, that's um, hilarious. But that one is available on VOD. You can stream that. Yes, yes. If okay. you wish. <laughs> that's right. And then there's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, um, episode October Country. 
on Netflix. I talked about that last episode, but for people mm-hmm. who have not yet watched the Netflix series, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's really good, first of all, for what it is. And there's a really cool scarecrow scene in a corn maze at one point of it, but it does devolve, as I mentioned before, because of some kind of bad CGI, which is unfortunate because it looked really cool at the beginning of the scene, but the scene still works amazingly well. There's a really cool element of that scene with uh, Salem the cat. So Nice. Okay. Leave it at that. That's cool. And then we got Dark Harvest from 1992. And then Dark Harvest from 2004. We got uh, Dark Harvest 2. That Oh, that's the maze from 2004. Okay, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we got... Yeah, this list isn't super organized. I tried to organize it. Dark Harvest 3, Scarecrow. That's the one where a killer scarecrow kills some people. <laughs> yeah, so, so you have the original Dark Harvest in 1992. The Dark Harvest from 2004 is a different movie. I don't know if it's a remake, but then these other two sequels are apparently to the 2004 film, but they all came out the same year. So I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know if that's like a um, open water situation where they just bought up other properties that were similar and Mm. branded it the same. And we see how well that worked for open water. Of course, I love open water too, adrift. Anyways, um, yes, we're going to talk about Dark Knight of the Scarecrow momentarily. We got Dark Walker from 2003. That's on Amazon Prime. We got Goosebumps from 2015. That has a scarecrow in it, right? Because yeah, very brief, but yeah, it's in there. Mm-hmm. And it's based on Goosebumps, the episode Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, and probably a book. I'm assuming at some point, right? Um, which was from 1996. That's also on Amazon Prime. You can check that out. Yeah. Now there's one from um, 2007 called Hallowed Ground, and for some reason, I remember the trailer to this and everything. It's um, when when her car breaks down in a small town, Liz Chambers meets journalist Sarah Austin, who tells her about the town's bloodthirsty past. And I remember um, the trailer looked okay on that. And so that's one that I definitely want to get to. That's a reason for the part two. Didn't have time to fit it in right now, but Hallowed Ground 2007. And then there's Husk from 2011. That's one of my faves. We're going to talk about that here um, shortly. We got Jack O from 1995. Was that on your list to watch, Josh? I really wanted to watch that one for the show, but due to my traveling schedule, I wasn't able to. But yeah, I guess for uh, we do end up doing Scarecrow's Part 2, I'll definitely be reviewing Jack O. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, and then we get to the um, mention of Jeepers Creepers, particularly Jeepers Creepers 2. And... Uh, so we we have we've discussed this before, but just in, briefly, we're we've decided as a podcast not to spend time on the Jeepers Creepers franchise. So just because of the director Victor Salva, child molester, right? Um, and then there's a film called Kakashi. Now that was one that you had down, Josh. That yeah, I wasn't the one familiar I with. David was referring to the J horror film. Oh, okay, cool, nice. Yeah, and I've I've seen that one recommended several places and interestingly <laughs> the, the uh, translation of that is scarecrow so it is also called <laughs> scarecrow <laughs> it's from 2001 mm-hmm. kakashi and then we got okay so this this is one i'm super mad i didn't get to fit this in so there's a film which i reviewed i think i mini reviewed it recently it's called um 
let's see, The Messengers. Do you guys, you guys remember mm-hmm. me talking about that? I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's decent, right? I mean, it's not too bad. Totally underrated. Yeah, it came out in a weird era of horror where I feel like there were a lot of these like Hillary Swank horror movies and stuff coming out that were just not getting a lot of attention. Right. Right. Yeah. And so there, there's messengers and that's, um, it's got this like farm. It's the messengers 2007. And, uh, it's, it's better than you'd expect. And it's a PG 13 horror movie. And, um, it's, it's decent. Now there is a sequel to that that isn't really related because, because, the first Messengers doesn't have like Scarecrow in it, but there's Messengers Two, the Scarecrow from 2009, and and my understanding is this is one of those kind of like, what is it, Die Hard Two or Die Hard Three that wasn't initially a Die Hard movie, <laughs> like, right? And they kind of retrofit right. it to, to yeah. Die Hard, yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance, I think, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. A couple of Die Hards actually did that, so. So yeah, and this actually has um this is one I'm excited about watching. Messengers 2 the Scarecrow from 2009. It's on Amazon Prime and it has Norman Reedus in it. I don't know if he has a crossbow, but I'm just if saying. He have a crossbow. I'm out. Yeah. No, and I know we're not talking about the original Messengers, but just to let people know if you do watch that movie, it's got a pre-Twilight Kristen Stewart in it, so yeah, you've been warned, but Yeah. And it's also got Dylan McDermott and John Corbett, who I thought was especially awesome in that one. But, oh, sorry, yeah. That's a distraction. Yeah, I'm, based on my enjoyment of the first film, I would totally watch Messengers too. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a high priority for me. Um, and then we got uh, Night of the Pumpkin from 2010. Feel free to comment on any of these guys if you know anything well, about sorry, it. Sorry, did you mention that Messengers 2 is available on Amazon Prime? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yep, and Norman Reedus. So Night of the Pumpkin 2010... Night of the Scarecrow, 1995. Psycho Scarecrow, 1996. And then we got Rise of the Scarecrows from 2009 on Amazon Prime. Now we're going to hear a voicemail diss on that one here shortly. (laughs) And then we got Rise of the Scarecrows, I guess from 2018. I don't know if it's a remake or what's going on there. And, and, And that may be one and the same as Rise in the Rise of the Scarecrows. Subtitle, Hell on Earth. That's in production, I guess. Then we got The Legend of Halloween Jack from 2018. It's at Redbox and VOD. And we have heard from Scarecrow enthusiasts, (laughs) more than one person, I think, has told us that this is by far the worst Scarecrow movie ever made. I don't know if... Three of our listeners say that it's unwatchable. And yep. one person say they had to turn it off and leave like halfway through. They couldn't even finish it. Wow. Okay. Was it was it Jody who di- who covered it during the Thirty One Days of Horror? Jody did write a review for our Thirty One Days of Horror, but yeah. I also saw comments on Twitter about how bad it was as well. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. And then we have um, <laughs> Scarecrow Gone Wild from two thousand four, which I got from Dave. Um, I haven't watched it yet. We got Scarecrow. <laughs> no, I I never I never watched it either. So. Dave. Then we have a uh, <laughs> Scarecrow Slayer from 2003. <laughs> so that, that was the series of Scarecrow, Scarecrow Slayer, and then Scarecrow Gone Wild. Those three are all part of the same franchise. Nice. Okay. And then there's one called, and I'm actually interested in this. I don't know if it's pronounced Scarecrowed or Scarecrowd. It looks like Scarecrowd, actually, but I'm, it's probably supposed <laughs> to be Scarecrow. 
C-R-O-W-D from 2015. And the reason this intrigued me, let me just tell you this. So it's got a very interesting cover, and we've actually seen this same head shape. Josh, if you look at that cover, or Dave for that matter, there's another cover in cinema history that that, that head shape resembles. This is, the original title was Scarecrowed or Scarecrowed the Musk, and it says, the farmer, the farmer Tony Mile turns into a fierce mutant because of a meteorite impact on Earth, disguised as a scarecrow in order to hide his appearance. He starts to kill people to satisfy his bloodlust. Wow. 20, 2015. Right? I gotta say, The Musk is maybe the least appealing subtitle I've ever heard for a film. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, and... And I don't really enjoy Musk Cologne that much, for that matter. We got um, Scarecrows from 1988 on Amazon Prime, which we're going to discuss here shortly. We get Scarecrows from 2002. Um, of course, there's Trick or Treat from 2007 on VOD. That's got Sam in it. He's a little Scarecrow type of dude, right? That's why we've included that one, right, guys? Yes, Right, correct, yeah. Okay, and then we have Scary Crows from 2017. It's a comedy horror on Amazon Prime. Yes, I would watch that too. <laughs> and then we... Well, there's also a Scarecrows from... That's listed as 2017, but has not yet been released. Right. According to IMDb, it's going to be in theaters on December 11th. But. And And let me just say about that one, I love the premise to that. I got two stars by it on my list here. <laughs> Not that I've seen it, but it says teenagers are kidnapped and made into scarecrows that are left to die in the crop fields. And I think I saw a preview about that where like, Yikes. yeah, it's like they take them and just put them up and then they just have to die there. I mean, that is a freaking killer. Good premise, right? Yeah. And again, that's similar to what happened to Matthew. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. That's, so do you think that this film premise was inspired by that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that film, yeah, he was tied to a fence, I guess. But yeah, left to die there. Matthew Shepard. Oh, my goodness. That is that is so upsetting. Um, so right, that was, you can cut that out if that is a bummer. <laughs> you know, well, it's a bummer, but I mean, it's 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 real life horror. And I think sometimes we, you know, honestly... Yeah, it on, takes the fun out of it, but it, it adds some weight to the terror, I suppose. Yeah, and, and the fact that yeah. we have horror films. The horror genre is here, I think, in part to help us cope with this really this messed up world that we're, that we're uh, traversing through. So um, yeah. let me see where we were here. So keep, keep going down. Um, Scarecrow's a trick-or-treat, scary crow. Okay, then there's The Barn from 2016. Now, I'm super mad. We're going to hear um, some thoughts from a listener here on The Barn. I waited and waited and waited forever. It was like a 2016, 2017 film. Everybody wanted to see this, couldn't find it. It's now on Amazon Prime for two bucks. I waited so long to see it that I forgot about it. <laughs> and, now <it's, laughs> and now it's finally available. But, but seriously, I bet you I waited, guys for two years to see that. Wow. Um, it was a crowd crowdfunded movie, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't gripe so much then, but anyway, we have a listener who's going to comment on that one. And then Dave, you, I believe 
was it Dave or Josh told us about R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour season two? Uh, one, of, one of our listeners mentioned that DM Elms on Twitter. Uh, she says, um, did you guys see the kick-ass Haunting Hour episode on Scarecrows? And uh, no, we didn't. I was hoping I could get to it before tonight, but did not have a chance to, unfortunately. But so- yeah, it's from R.L. Stein's the Haunting Hour, the episode is just called Scarecrow. And it's from Season 2, Episode 11, right? Yes. Okay, that's cool. And then Dave told us about something called uh, Halloween Night. Dave, you want to tell us that? Yeah, Halloween Night uh, from 2009. The description on uh, Amazon Prime is a bullied student. I haven't seen it. A bullied student exacts his revenge on those who wronged him during a college party on Halloween Night. Using a living scarecrow, his Frankenstein-like creation carries out a bloody massacre, and only one woman can stop it. Wow. Intriguing. Yeah. It, intriguing. Yeah, I, thought, I would like to see that. Yeah, it seems like I saw the trailer to that, or or maybe that's a familiar... We've seen that, I think, that a similar story to that in another... Hmm. Anyways, yeah, it's ringing familiar, but I guess that story isn't I, that I didn't unique. think it was the most original story. That's true. I'm sure we've seen it before. So, um, and, and now I have a couple here that are may or may not be the one in the same. I have a scarecrow listed from 2001 and one from 2002, the same title. Excuse me. I'll have to research that a little better. And then, uh, we already talked about scarecrows, which is coming out here soon. Um, there's scarecrow from 2013. It's a TV movie. And, um, for some reason, I have two stars by this, so I'm going to look this up. Because when I was when I was reading about these, I was like, "Oh, okay, let's see." So I like the cover art. The cover art looks freaky, and it's a TV movie that says um, it's on Amazon Prime. By the way, six high school kids come face to face with an evil entity as they serve their detention before the town scarecrow festival. <laughs> so probably bad. I don't know, but you know, I'm I'm willing. I'm willing to do this. So I believe Scarecrow 2002 is the first in that trilogy that I've mentioned a couple times with Scarecrow Gone Wild. Oh, okay. And then Scarecrow 2001 is the J-horror film with the alternate title. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that. (laughs) So, all right. Good. uh, Thanks for doing that. Kakashi. Kakashi. Kakashi, yes. All right. And then we have... um, yeah, I think we already said Scarecrow 2013. That's it's on Amazon Prime, and then uh, just moving down. So those are that's all I have in terms of like feature films or kids films. And then there are a number of shorts. I'll just say them real fast: Curse of the Scarecrow 2012, Scarecrow a short horror film 2010, Scarecrow at Midnight 2011, uh, Scare. Crow, it's uh, they wanted to get a, a original and spell it differently. Skyer uh, uh, Crow, yeah, S C A Y R E Crow, um, and then there's Scarecrows 2016, and then the Legend of the Scarecrow 2005. That one's an animated short. So there you have it, listeners. I hope you're happy that we did this. I'm sure they're not. <laughs> so, so anyway. Anyways. Basically, we just said the word scarecrow 35 times. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was, it, was that great listening or not? Anyways. I'll tell you. So that's enough of that theme discussion, right? Let's talk a little bit about Dark Knight. 
of the Scarecrow. Tonight on the CBS Saturday Night Movies, this gentleman saved this little girl's life, but they accused him of harming her. And he was tragically murdered. Now, one by one, the men of this town are dying. Who is his avenger? Is it the dead man's grief-stricken mother? They killed my boy! The little girl who loved him. I know what you did to brother. Or could it be the Scarecrow? Okay, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is a 1981 made-for-TV movie. This came out October 24th in 1981 on television. It's directed by Frank DeFelita, and the writers were J.D. Feigelson and Butler Hancock. So, interesting names <laughs> right. going on here. It's interesting. It's a, it's a weird movie because it goes pretty far for a made-for-television film from that era, first of all, I would say. I would say when it when it is scary, it stands up with other movies of its era in terms of, you know, the scares. Mm-hmm. And the cast is pretty strong because it's kind of like an A-list TV cast, right? So yeah. um, they aren't A-listers for maybe for movies, but they are A-listers for TV. So it's really amazing set of people. You've got Charles Durning, who is one of your main characters. You've got Larry Drake, who plays Bubba Ritter, one of the main, I guess, the driving force of the film here. Um, is it Claude Earl Jones? Is Philby, which I, I love him as an actor. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other guy, I can't, I'm blanking on his name, but he's the dad from Son-in-Law with Paul Shore. You guys know what I'm talking about? I can't, mm-hmm. I can't think of what his name uh. is. Um, and he's one of the, he's one of the gang, but basically what you have here is a film about a man in his thirties who has an intellectual disability and he is friends with a young girl and they spend their days together playing. And as his mother kind of intimates in her mind, they're kind of the same age due to his intellectual disability you know and he he's just he's he's mature as a man but he's very innocent and they have this very cute relationship the two of them but the people in town have decided that he's a danger uh to the town in general and particularly this young girl and they bully him pretty frequently and have kind of have their sights set on him to make sure he stays in line and one day they're going home from playing together. The young girl decides, oh, well, let's sneak into this garden. And he, he doesn't want to, but she does. And she's attacked by a dog and torn up pretty badly. And as you can guess, he's blamed for the damage that comes to her. And we're told she's died. And so pretty soon thereafter, an angry mob of people come to his mother's house looking for him with the plan to kill him. And there's this pretty iconic scene, which this is a minor spoiler, but I think it's important to talk about to be able to talk about the rest of the film. You know, they're looking for him in, in this, in this field and they come across the scarecrow and it's standing there in the middle of the field. And you get this amazing scene where Charles Durning walks up to the scarecrow and you see 
this poor kid Bubba's eyes, played by Larry Drake, and he just is in sheer terror wow. within the face of the scarecrow. And then these guys just unload their guns on the scarecrow. And we're, we find out later, you know, they shoot him 21 times or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then everything else that happens in the film is based off that one moment. And and just let me say on that moment, the performance there, the fear in his eyes is astounding to me. It's tangible. Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes me feel afraid when I watch it. That's how convincing it is. Do you yeah. do you think that, Dave? Yeah. Or not? Oh, definitely. I, I I do. And I, I actually have this on Blu-ray and I was watching some of the special features. That was Larry Drake's first ever performance. Um, like his, wow. I, I think he was saying his first job. He didn't have an agent when he was cast and it was being cast in this movie that uh, he that got him an agent because he had it was his first job in California, he was saying. And, and I think he did such a great job in the movie. And you're right that just with those eyes that really is what stands out, you know, mm-hmm. a, an image that just stays with you from this film. Mm-hmm. I did want to say the other actor whose name I couldn't remember is Lane Smith. I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, again, because I love Polly Shore's son-in-law, but he's also <laughs> in My Cousin Vinny. He's in Red Dawn. He's in The Mighty Ducks. And he was in 87 episodes of Lois and Clark as Perry White. So yeah. people would recognize him from that. But he's he's one of the mob. There are other things to say. Basically what happens is, this turns into something of a slasher and these guys are hunted down. The members of the mob who kill Bubba are hunted down one by one. And you don't know exactly who's doing it. It could be an angry district attorney. It could be a mother out for revenge, like Friday the 13th. It could be this young girl who's had this relationship with Bubba. It could be someone else. It could be Bubba himself in supernatural form. We're not sure. And that's the kind of mystery behind the film. It is a mystery. It's a whodunit just like, Friday the 13th, and I would suggest, like I was kind of saying, it does stand up against the fil- other films of its era. I think mm-hmm. the whodunit aspect of this is actually far better than even in Friday the 13th in terms of how those scenes are executed. Now, it doesn't have the same level of gore, and you know, and it's a little bit cheesier because it's made for TV, but I, I do actually think in terms of the direction, it's pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe. I mean, you, when you see it, well, let me let me see. Let me back up. So when you, I'm I'm really tough on made for TV horror movies, and even a lot of the Stephen King ones, you know, I appreciate them, but the made for TV aspect really just takes me out of it. You can feel it, and you definitely feel it here. But I'll tell you what's eerie about this film: it opens. In such an idyllic setting, it's brightly lit, it's sunshiny and beautiful, and what happens is we see the prior evil in this film. A lot of times in a slasher especially, there's a prior evil, but we get to it later in the film. Well, we see the prior evil occur in this film, with which is the execution yeah. that you described. In like the first 30 minutes of the movie, basically. Yeah, and it's extremely... Um, uh, compelling and powerful in that in that horror because that's real life horror somebody's executed it's it's essentially a hate crime when this execution happens this horror happens in the daylight and it's like bright noonday sun or whatever and um i, I don't know it's weird because the characters do seem a little bit on the hokey side but it's a small town and it reminds me a lot of like um hazard county 
like it, it, for those who watched the Dukes of Hazard in the 80s, it, it kind of looks like it's set in somewhere like next to Hazard County, but um, it gets pretty serious business. What do you think about it, Dave? Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of this film, too. And I think one of the things is um, the way Charles Durning plays that character. I mean, this is this is a guy with really no redeeming qualities. Um, and there's a great scene where, um, you know, uh, was it Bubba's mother is uh, talking with him after everything that went down and she brings up something about you know what he does about how the whole town sort of knows and it just sort of catches him off guard but it adds a layer to that character that you weren't you know you weren't necessarily expecting i wasn't necessarily expecting the first time i saw it um even though the signs were there and it really gets i mean you're kind of like wow this guy is really just he's the monster he's the monster of of this film Mm mm-hmm um, self-serving and and uh, he, it's a great performance. I mean, Charles Durning does a does an awesome job in this film yes. playing playing this guy. Um, and the mother, um, it's interesting. The mother was played by Jocelyn Brando, Marlon Brando's older sister. Oh wow, which, I didn't know that. Which I just found out tonight. Yeah, I just found that out tonight myself. Neat. Yeah. The another scary aspect of this is the we we see the mob mentality and and. <laughs> I think that's one of the um, horrifying aspects of like the the human condition. Like I remember, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but do you remember seeing like those, uh, they call it football down in, <laughs> uh, what is it? South America. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe like I would see, yeah. And I would see a game where um, <laughs> there would be, they would just, the crowd would get out of control and upset yeah. and an official. And like there is, there, there was one instance or maybe even multiple where they ripped the dude apart. Do you guys remember that happening? Soccer hooligans. I don't know. Yeah. Not so specifically, but I believe you. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it has happened. Yeah. I don't remember a specific instance either, but I mean, they just got in this mob mentality and, and you know, things that people Typically, you would think people wouldn't do and probably wouldn't, but it's almost like they get this momentum and they get like um, this frenzy and then, you know, they, they kill somebody and they like rip this dude apart with their bare hands. Anyway, this this thing here that happens in the beginning, it's very credible. You can see how something like this might go down because there's so much hatred in this this antagonist character. Yeah. And it's all, you know, one of the things that's amazing about it is when we get to more traditional horror tropes, they happen in ways you might suspect. Situations like I'm in right now, like in a creepy old barn at night, that's where <laughs> the horror is happening. But that initial scene, the real life horror, the thing that does happen in real life is horror in the daylight. It happens in broad daylight, the middle of the day, like high noon, the sun's mm-hmm. beating down on them and the yeah. consequences are real and happen immediately as well. It's pretty chilling in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And even with the mob mentality, yeah, it, you know, as with most mobs, there's a ringleader, which is the Charles Durning character who has surrounded himself with people who just aren't that quick. You know, these characters, I think it was um, the guy who played the the mechanic in an interview I saw in the, in the making of the day, they gave him that hat 
he's got that sort of engineer's hat that he wears, the the, the red with the white polka dots. Mm-hmm. And the actor said he, he you know, he, he likes costumes and, and that's sort of one of the things he uses, you know, uh, with his performance. And he said the minute he put that hat on, he felt 40 IQ points slip away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's how these characters are sort of surrounding Charles Durning, who's the ringleader. You know, and you get the idea. He has no respect for these guys. He doesn't even really consider them. You don't even get the feeling he considers them friends. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But he uses them for his purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this. And I, re- I love seeing a guy like Claude Earl Jones, who doesn't seem intimidating at all, being kind of put into this position where he becomes a monster. and And then later of potential victim of this killer. I don't know. It's just, it's cool seeing. Yeah. Like these hazard County type Mayberry type folks mm-hmm. in right. these extreme circumstances. I mean, this is, this is Norman Rockwell, you yeah. know, this is, this is like Norman Rockwell paintings here, but um, you, you're seeing behind them. You're seeing underneath the, the, the horror that happens. Um, it's, it's not idyllic. Right. And what I, what I love about this is it, it captures there's something it's kind of hard to describe, but there's something that a lot of small town America has. These small towns will have some sort of <clears throat> dark horror story in their past, in their history. There will be something awful that went down there, you know, or some atrocity or some tragedy. Mm-hmm. A lot of towns have that in their history. Yeah. And um, this is almost like um, a little slice of life snapshot and I think the title Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is is tremendous for this because it's um you might even have called it Dark Day of the Scarecrow, really, but but right. it reminds me of that that kind of uh you know, depiction of this town's dirty little secret of something that went way wrong. We have two voicemails here where the the uh, callers mention this film and I'll just play that if it's okay with you guys. So the first one comes from Trey in Columbus and um, I like this voicemail. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Trey from Columbus, Ohio. I was excited to hear you were doing a Scarecrow episode as Scarecrows are one of my favorite figures in horror. The only problem is a lack of good Scarecrow movies. I've been obsessed with Scarecrows ever since I saw the cover of Goosebumps book, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight as a Kid. Since then, I've been on a search for a great Scarecrow movie, which I still haven't found. Most movies I've seen with Scarecrows range from below average to absolutely terrible. But I have found a couple that, like, I think my favorites would have to be Dark Knight of the Scarecrow from 1981 and Husk from 2011. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is a better movie and has much better acting, but Husk shows us more of its monster, and it also gives us an interesting spin on the Scarecrow and makes great use of a cornfield. Both are effective and creepy, however, both films leave a lot to be desired as far as the actual Scarecrows. The worst Scarecrow film I've seen, I think, would have to be The Barn from 2016. I watched it because I checked out the poster on IMDb, and it just looked great. I love the premise, and it was set on Halloween as well, which doesn't happen that often either. What I ended up seeing was a bad film with bad acting and one of the worst Scarecrow designs I've ever seen. Uh, Don't let this poster fool you guys as well. I recommend steering clear of this one. I'm still holding out hope that one day we'll get the perfect Scarecrow movie, but until that day... I'm looking forward to hearing your reviews of some scary scarecrow movies. Hopefully you'll find a diamond in the rough that I've overlooked. Thanks guys. 
I love it. Thank you, Trey, for calling it. Great. I am surprised because I've only heard good things about the barn. I will say the poster looks amazing. So Mm -hmm. it is kind of a bummer when the movie doesn't live up to the poster. But yeah, I, I am surprised by Trey's comment because I have heard generally good things about the barn. Yeah, me too. I, it made me sad. Like there are a couple of reasons it made me sad. Yeah, I've I've heard good things too. I've been wanting to see that for a couple of years, and then also, you know, I I feel bad because the people that are calling in and most interested in this topic, they mention basically the three yeah. the three films that we're discussing tonight, and so that's why I think a part two is. Absol- I was going to say, it doesn't necessary. bode well for a part two, does it, Jay? Well, the fact well, that everybody's mentioning the three movies we're covering tonight. The thing is, I, I just have some hope or belief in, and, and plus we got that one coming out in December that I'm pretty pumped about. So I think I think there's at least room for a part two. Poor innocent Jay. <laughs> what? I do regret now not reviewing Jacko to at least have brought something else to the table. But. Something, yeah. Well... We did mention that um, painstaking list, so that was great. Um, And then we got one from uh, a voicemail from Jody, the horror guy, and uh, Jody Horror Guy in Toledo, Ohio. And this is, as I understand it, one of his favorite subgenres in horror. Here we go. This is Jody. Hey, Horror Movie Podcast. This is Jody calling from Toledo. I'm calling today because I am so excited to hear about your Scarecrow episode coming up soon. I can't wait to hear it. Um, (laughs) However rational it may be, scarecrows are one of my real-life fears. So it's always been kind of a quest of mine to find a scarecrow horror movie that can live up to that, that's as scary on screen that it is in real life for me. So far, I have not had too much success with that. I watch one every year for about the past 20 or so years. And as part of my 31 days of Halloween, and there's just not been anything to really live up to it. But I do really enjoy the 1981 TV movie, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Unfortunately, given the fact that it was a TV movie, it did have the limitations. It was on CBS, so they couldn't do a lot of gore and a lot of scares and different things like that. But I do appreciate that as an early Scarecrow film and as a piece of social commentary, actually. Uh, another one of my favorites is the After Dark Horror Fest movie Husk. That's probably the closest for me to being a scary scarecrow movie, but even still, it's 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 entertaining, but not necessarily scary. Uh, man, the worst one I've ever seen though is Amazon Prime. It's called Rise of the Scarecrows. You will see some really cool scarecrow on the cover art, but when you watch the film, it looks nothing like that. <laughs> so that was a pretty big bummer. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to hear what you guys come up with. Maybe you guys will find one that I haven't seen yet, and I look forward to hearing the show. Have a good one, guys. Thank you, Jody. That's that's now the second person who's who's uh, yeah, and that was great, Jody. Thank you very much for calling you. But it's the second person now who has said maybe you'll find a diamond in the rough. So, so, uh, I don't know, Jay. I don't know if this is going to deliver what they're looking for. I mean, we're talking about the same movies they're bringing up. Well, uh, I okay, yes, and I'm glad you said that just now because I want to just emphasize again to the listeners, we're kind of setting the table here with part one, and then I'm hoping to come back with part two, um, a much more well, well-watched m- Scarecrow fan, <laughs> and then be able to really definitively report back. So... I, bet well, you- I, I witnessed a conversation between Jody and Trey 
uh, horrormoviepodcast.com in the comments when Jody reviewed The Legend of Halloween Jack. And I did not see either of them mention DM Elm's recommendation of the R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. It sounds like Trey was a childhood fan of Goosebumps. So maybe check that out. Uh, it comes highly recommended from DM Elm. She says it's kick ass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Give it a whirl. Let us know. There you go. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Funny how TV seems to be where this, where the, the scarecrows or people think might work the best. That's now two, you know, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and then the uh, R.L. Stein. That's uh, hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I just have one, one final just thought about Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. When I was revisiting it last night, I had the weirdest thing happen. Sometimes when a, when a film ends, you know, well, all the time, I just let the, the music play because I want to hear the soundtrack and usually I wait to see if there's a stinger and stuff. And I, and I knew that on this particular DVD there wasn't, but, but I just let it play. And the soundtrack has this, this tone in, in, the, in the song. It, go, it goes like this. It's kind of like, it's like, da, da, like that. And it, it, it's this recurring theme of, Da, da. And it really unsettled me, and I know this is very subjective and personal, but um, when when my son was born, his name is Davy, and when he was born, um, we we would kind of try to communicate with him because he was a little preemie guy, and, and we would say his name exactly like that, Davy, like that, just over and over, so he could get familiar with us. And, and I don't know why it was just something we did. And um, it was this very, um, you know, tender type of thing. But to hear that same tone done exactly the same way, I mean, they don't say Davy, but to hear it in this film, in this context, was really upsetting to me. It really disturbed me and it threw me off. And when I went to bed, I was having trouble, like, um, just kind of shaking it off. It was like a cold cold chill on me or something it was very weird anyways uh so guys for me i i actually reviewed this on on her movie podcast episode 23 um which is a great episode if people haven't heard it because we we talk about doc of the dead there with uh, dr walking dead and um and then we talk about dark knight of the scarecrow and then i tell you about that experience of being outside of that that creepy church next to my necromomicon's house and um, anyways, my rating back then is the same now. I mean, I do appreciate this film a lot for what it is. Uh, I think there's a lot to admire. It's one of my favorite made-for-TV horror films for sure. And so I give it a, a 6.5 out of 10, and I call it a rental. I think, I think if you're a horror fan, I think it's worth seeing at least once. I mean, I own it, but um, I think everybody should see it. Dr. Shock, what say you? I'm 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 an I'm an eight eight out of ten. Um, and you know what? I think it's worth. I personally think it's worth a purchase. I would. This is one I've seen several times, and I hope to see several times more. Uh, you know, when you think of uh, made for TV horror, and back in the eighties uh, or seventies and eighties, there were some strong movies. You know, you had Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and uh, John Carpenter even did one. What was it? Someone's watching. Someone's watching me, or someone's. I think it's. Oh yeah, someone's watching me. Mm-hmm. Someone's watching me. Yeah, um, which were strong films, and yeah. I think this one is. Yes, you don't get the the gore and and you know whatnot, but 
listening to the writer um, and the special features, he didn't write that into the script anyway. So even if they had turned this into a feature film, it wouldn't have been, uh, you know, necessarily gory unless that was just sort of put in there by the studio or the director or whatnot. Um, and it fit really well into the TV, into its set, you know, in, into its medium. It fit really well as a, as a TV movie. So, yeah, I, this is an 8 out of 10 for me, and I call it a buy. Nice. Okay. Thank you, 8. Buy it. Okay, what do you say, Wolfman Josh? Yeah, I think I'm just right in between you guys. I think this is a great horror movie. Uh, you know, it is, as Jody said, socially relevant. I think it's interesting to see how this character... Uh, is dealt with who has a disability Uh, um it's something that you know is handled in a lot of horror movies and i think this is one of the best handling of that idea of persecuting kind of an outcast and then that turning into a horrific situation i really enjoy i think the character design or the monster design of the scarecrow is one of the absolute coolest ever. Unfortunately, it's not on screen as much as you would you would hope. <laughs> and the poster, it, like we just talked about with the barn, is amazing. And unfortunately, it's a bit of a letdown because it's not as prominent as you would hope as well. Um, that character, this is it's framed as a whodunit, like Friday the Thirteenth, the original film. You're not really seeing who the killer is from much much of the movie, and I. I do think that's maybe one thing that I think is a mistake. I think you could have shifted pretty early on in the film and had to be a more effective, more fun slasher uh, if we got to see a little bit more Scarecrow or I guess in this one. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think if you like Friday the 13th, which most horror fans do, I think if you like something like The Prowler, you like something like The Town That Dreaded Sundown. This, I think, is comparable to those other horror movies of its era. Again, just with some limitations due to it being a made-for-TV movie, but there are really cool shots in this movie. You know, it, you can tell that it's low budget, but all those other movies I mentioned are pretty low budget as well. And, you know, I think this holds up for an 80s slasher. There's, you know, this year we got two pretty interesting corn silo scenes between the new Saw movie and a quiet place uh, uh, what is it the a quiet, a quiet place oh, oh it is a quiet place yeah mm-hmm. and this one's really good like i think this is up there in like the top three corn silo scenes in a horror movie so it's fun i i give this one a seven i think it could be stronger on one hand but this is like a very comfort food kind of movie to me that i could see returning to over and over and over again, like we do with a lot of these older films. I think it's, I'm going to call it a rental for most listeners. I think you should watch it once to see if it's your type of thing. But if you know you're going to enjoy a movie like that, like this is, I personally would buy it. So my recommendation is to rent it, and but um, it's a buy for me personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And just a reminder to people, I mean, it's got that Dukes of Hazard type of setting, you know, this. Yeah. And look, I mean, it looks like that like level of quality in terms of the camera work and, and stuff, but there are some really nice shots and again, filled with really good performances. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. even, even though they're kind of hokey characters, right. But the performances yeah. are earnest for sure. The performances are what are, I think are what would make them feel a little less hokey. At yeah. least some of them, you know, something, someone like Charles Durning, 
and driving around in that mail truck. I mean, this is a guy who he's the mailman. You know, he's the yeah. mailman of this town. Everybody knows him. But what a what a darkness he has uh, underneath uh, the surface. And that just makes you wonder that you don't really know people, people that you're you know friendly with in this sort of circumstance. You don't know what's going on, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. A modern film viewer who isn't used to stuff from this era would probably find the whole thing hokey and kind of unappealing. But I think if you, you and you know, if you like that 80s aesthetic, late 70s, early 80s aesthetic, you know, this this fits in there nicely. Yeah, but if you yeah, I think it's the kind of movie that if you give it a chance to work on you and just, you know, kind of sit back mm-hmm. and, and enjoy it for what it's trying to do i think it'll it'll draw you in i do and yeah and And i think it's interesting it starts in like cujo mm -hmm. manner where probably kind of like a sunny field it was flowers day with happiness and sunshine and then that (laughs) um, is where the terror begins as well which is right and you're like is this a horror movie like like am i watching the wrong thing yeah, and, and I just want to emphasize one more time because I feel like, you know, we've been using certain phrases on horror movie podcasts for long enough that we kind of have this shorthand that we throw out, but I always forget. We probably have brand new listeners. Um, we've talked in the past about what a prior evil is and how a lot of time in a slasher film or the creation of a monster, there is some prior evil that happened way back in the past of the that, that actually created the monster it made the circumstances of bitterness or rage or deep sadness and sorrow and so this prior evil happens in the present and i think that's really interesting about this film but yeah dark knight of the scarecrow it sounds like everybody else out there appreciates it um yeah as well that's a victor miller term it's something that's common in our discussion but that exact term comes from victor miller the screenwriter of friday the 13th who identified that when he was trying to look at Halloween and figure out what are the elements of a successful slasher. He identified the prior evil as mm-hmm. something that needed to be set up. Yeah, that's cool. And wasn't he the guy that um, you were in New York City and you happened to recognize him on the street? That was Sean Cunningham, oh, the yeah. director oh, okay. of Friday the 13th. Yeah, I ran into him <laughs> in an alleyway and me and my friend and my friend's like 6'4 <laughs> and I'm kind of a big guy although I'm not tall but I think probably the two of us approaching him in a dark alleyway in New York city. We're like, <laughs> probably he's a very small guy. I'm sure he was a little bit intimidated. But he, I just he quickly saw that we we're just a couple of goofy movie fans and took a selfie with us. So. I just could not believe that you recognized him on the street in the midst of New York city. Like that is still a fascinating story to me, Josh. All right, and at this point in episode 162 of Horror Movie Podcast, it's time for our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment. Okay, well, as with our previous episode, we've got a few recommendations for you that you can stream right now on Shudder. So keep listening because we're about to recommend some horror gems. On HMP, we looked for a sponsor that's relevant to your interests. So instead of doing ads for mattresses or shaving kits, we're bringing you recommendations from Shudder. 
Now, for those who don't know, Shudder is a premium streaming video service that's like Netflix for horror. But in addition to horror content, Shudder also lets you stream genre flicks for thrillers, suspense, cult films, sci-fi, crime, mysteries, unsettling documentaries, just to name a few. <laughs> so to try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast, and use our promo code HMP. That promo code there, HMP, gets you 30 days free instead of just the usual 7-day trial. Now, we think you'll love Shudder and continue beyond the 30-day free trial. And at that point, the cost is only $4.99 per month. And that's it. A Shudder subscription gives you unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your devices like iPhone, Apple TV, Android, Xbox One, Roku, Google Chromecast, and more. And if you're already a Shudder subscriber, you could still support a horror movie podcast by encouraging your fellow horror fiends to go to Shudder.com slash podcast and use that promo code HMP. Shudder has a lot of great horror content that you could stream right now. For instance... This week, Dave and I are going to co-review The Mutilator, a.k.a. Fall Break, because I, I was really hoping to do a Thanksgiving horror film, or I was wondering if there were any you know, scary scarecrow movies on Shudder, but Fall Break is one that has come up when we've talked about the general lack of Thanksgiving horror, and because this one does take place on Fall Break as the alt title suggests it's uh it's one that can be brought up in the conversation basically this is a typical 80s slasher movie you have a young group of teenagers they head out to a beach house in north carolina there's a prior evil that has occurred and these poor kids reap the consequences of that prior evil in extremely gory fashion now this movie is kind of a lost film it it came out limited release in theaters did very well in the theaters that it screened in they were forced to edit it tremendously to get the r rating and so they had to cut a huge amount of the gore scenes and i guess the film lost a lot of money because of that they did have unrated versions on vhs and betamax and so this did really well in the vhs era but it was never released on dvd and it, and it didn't really get into many of the bigger chain stores and so it was this is a pretty common thing that happened in this era you had all these little gems that you'd see at your mom and pop video store that missed the dvd conversion and then just were gone from the face of the earth these days we have so many low budget b horror movies coming out but there are still these lost gems from the 80s that never made that dvd conversion out there and luckily for this film, it was found by Arrow Video and given the royal treatment and really a nice release was put together for The Mutilator, uh, you know, with director commentary and interviews and a nice transfer and the original uncut gore. And it's a really fun, low budget B-horror movie. And now it's on Shutter, So it's really easily accessible nice. to everybody. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I saw this uh, again. I had reviewed this one for the blog and I had the Arrow Blu-ray and I still have the Arrow Blu-ray. It's it's actually a great release. Uh, it opens up with that song and I think it's called Fall Break. You know, yeah. sort of a... I have it's it, got it, this it, big driving credit sequence of like 10 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> song. And so, you know, that's where you where they got the original title. I kind of like the Mutilator, though. I kind of like that title. 
little bit more. But mm-hmm. anyway, this one has a lot of, it, it does get into the characters. It does build the characters to a degree. You know, they've, they've got this one guy who's sort of a, sort of the jokester, of the group and, and we'll get to know them. They play games, they drink beer and whatnot. But then once the horror kicks in, what I liked about it, I, what impressed me was, was the gore for being a low budget film. Uh, it was Mark Showstrom who worked on the effects here. He also had worked on Evil Dead 2 and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which I thought was interesting. Some of these are close to, I think, Tom Savini level. Not all of them. Some of them are not that good. But there's one with a a wooden stake that I was especially uh, impressed by. And I think that that makes this, like you were saying, sort of a lost uh, gem of the 80s, where you have this sort of gory uh, slasher film with impressive gore i mean we you know a lot of the low budget ones unless tom savini was involved it was sort of hit and miss and this one is mm-hmm. has moments of hit and miss as well i mean it's not all great but it's one of the better ones that i've seen that is not a tom savini film yeah i agree with with, with regard to the gore i mean it the movie is not a great film but well, i no, think no. for for slasher fans out there who think you've seen everything and probably, you know, people are becoming more acquainted with this title, but it is it is one of those, you know, as I've said a lot, it's a hidden gem. It's one of those that has been harder to get your hands on. And so I think and now that is even more easily accessible online where you can watch that high quality uh, digital transfer. It's absolutely worth checking out if you're a 80s slasher fan. This is like, yeah, this is one that, you know, not a lot of people have gotten a chance to see. And it will be something that you'll really appreciate if you like all those classic gore effects. Yep, I agree 100%. Have you seen The Mutilator, Jay? You know, I have wanted to see this for years and I could never find it. So I'm so excited. It's on Shutter. I'm going to be checking it out. Nice. Yeah. So, um. You know, I give this movie in terms of quality, probably like a six, but I, it's a high priority stream for me. And again, I, I actually do own the Blu-ray, but you know, this is easily accessible on Shutter, and I highly recommend people stream it. I'd be just a little bit more. I'd probably be like at a seven. Um, and, and it's, it's uh, 80s nostalgia, as we talked about throughout our, uh, our slasher episodes, probably kicking it up a notch. Uh, it probably is closer to a six, like you were saying, Josh. But I'm going to give it a seven. And yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, check it out on uh, Shutter. Definitely stream it. And I believe Greg Amortis did review this during our 80s slasher coverage. Mm-hmm. So if you have not heard the those 80s slashers episodes, they're really a lot of fun. We covered the entire decade in four episodes with, with Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps. And it was a good time. And he really shared his love and appreciation for this film. So. You want a second opinion or a third opinion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. That's called The Mutilator from 1985, a.k.a. Fall Break, streaming on Shutter now. Okay, guys, everybody buckle up. So I'm going to call this portion of the Shutter recommendation segment the double feature of depravity. <laughs> so the thing is, in horror films, you find these themes that come together. Like in, in this episode, we're talking about straw-headed horror, right? And there are some recurring themes in horror. And I saw a couple of films that are streaming on here that I absolutely love. 
they're really great to me and they have some very troubling uh, similarities. And so I'm just going to throw it out there. And even though we may get a little silly and giggly, of course, we are not terrible people. So the first one is the first one is a, a Spanish horror film that I like to champion when I get a chance. Every oh, time no. I already know where this is going. <laughs> every, every time I do, though, I get a lot of grief about this. Yeah, there's a film called The Corpse of Anna Fritz. Anna Fritz, oh yeah, from 2015. <laughs> hey, it's streaming on Shutter right now, and this is directed by Hector Hernandez uh, Vikens. And here's the premise: Anna Fritz is a very famous, and I mean hugely famous, actress. Okay, in this film, she's beautiful, and she dies suddenly and unexpectedly. And when her body is received at the morgue, one of the morgue workers and his uh, degenerate friends allow their starstruck and morbid fascination to get the better of them. And so first, they're tempted to uh, take a peek under the sheet, and then they want to touch her body and so forth. And then it basically leads to full-blown necrophilia. This is one of those kind of horror movies. And so uh, let me pause that right there, because I guess you guys are absolutely silent. <laughs> Just from... <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I haven't I haven't seen this movie yet, but your description certainly it is has me uh, not wanting to see it. But uh, okay. I might end up seeing it. I already right. sat through Jay reviewing this movie on the Movie Podcast <laughs> Network Patreon feed. So. That's right. That's right. And so here's the thing: you got to know about. So so let's put a pen in that. Okay, we're gonna table that for now. <laughs> And we're going to talk about another one similarly themed. And honestly, like my only reservation here is that people will take my light mindedness for like, you know, thinking that this isn't like some serious matter. And I'm not just talking about necrophilia. Of course, I'm talking about assault. And so this one goes a little more toward that direction. And of course, we don't condone that. But there is another film that's very troubling. That's a, that was just such a shocking horror film to me. It's called Dead Girl, all one word from 2008. And basically, you got these uh, two high school boys that discover this uh, this woman who's kind of trapped or imprisoned in this abandoned mental asylum. She has very strange characteristics. You're not quite sure what it is about her, but she seems like she's unable to die and she's just captured. And so basically, they just uh, abuse her and it's very skin crawly and upsetting. Now, the reason I mentioned both of these films together is because when one does such terrible and deplorable things, you know, there's a often a come up it's terrible and deplorable things befall you, you know. And so I don't want to tell you where either of these films go, but they they both have that in common where you have these just scumbag, low life, terrible individuals and it does not go well for them. And so uh, both of these movies are really incredible in terms of like from a, a horror perspective, because what is horror meant to do, right? I mean, horror is, is meant to scare us or appall us or be ghastly and just so off-putting. And that's really what this is. And I, I just cringe, especially in The Corpse of Anna Fritz. I mean, both of them are terrible in terms of what's happening to the, the characters. But oh my goodness, it really sticks with you. I'll just tell you that. So The Corpse of Anna Fritz for me is like, um, it's like 7.5 out of 10. It's actually a buy for me. I haven't been able to find it yet to purchase, but it is streaming on Shutter, So I definitely recommend, it's a strong recommend that you stream that. And then with Dead Girl, it's one of the most 
troubling, you know, in terms of like inner peace or feeling terrible about yourself. It's one of the most troubling films that I've seen in a long time. And um, I forget what I rate Dead Girl. I'm, I'm like up around a 8.5 or a 9 on that sucker because that thing gets freaky as well. And so and that's also a buy. I actually own that one, but I say, you know, stream it on Shutter and have a really sick and twisted double feature. And do not stream this with your grandma, of course. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you want to have a depraved evening of double feature, then both The Corpse of Anna Fritz and Dead Girl are streaming on right. Shutter now. So, if you're Shutter and you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Why on earth are we sponsoring this podcast?" Hey. Just reconsider and say, "Hey, we're the ones who programmed this material." <laughs> that, that's exactly that's right. And you know what? At Shutter, people at Shutter go back and listen to Pigheaded Horror, and all your questions will be answered. <laughs> And also, they're they're also thinking, you know what? We've had these movies on here for X amount of time, and no other podcast has recommended that someone watch them. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm just, they, they had them on the chopping block. They were about to remove them, and, and Jay gave them life. Mm, yeah. Yes, you got it. You got to see them. They're, honestly, they're must-sees in my book. They are must-sees. <laughs> and I think that this, as weird as this sounds, People out there, listeners, if you haven't seen these, you're going to thank me. I'm telling you, you're going to. So I'm just saying you're welcome right now. But anyways, Josh, I believe you had one other aspect to talk about for tonight. Oh, well, you know, unfortunately, by the time this posts, it will probably be past Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. But there is something really cool the shutter's doing. A lot of people heard about this. Joe Bob Briggs, who we, we were talking about USA Up All Night. He was from TNT's Monster Vision. But Joe Bob Briggs, yeah, he he was the horror host over there, and he does kind of like a redneck drive-in movie fan <laughs> persona, and he is he's amazing, he's hilarious and awesome, and he did this last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs in July on Shutter, and it completely like shut the site down. <laughs> like there were so many people mm -hmm. who wanted to watch this thing, and he did I think thirteen movies. He did from dusk till dawn to dusk again and you know showed sleepaway camp and tourist trap and basket nice. case and uh i think return of the living dead and yeah so many people were trying to watch this thing that just completely knocked out the site they smartly said don't worry about it we're gonna make this available for a very long time so people were able to go back and revisit uh joe bob's last drive and now i will tell people you need to be signed up to shutter directly through the website through our shutter.com slash podcast using the promo code hmp to sign up if you're signed up through amazon or some other third party you're not going to be able to watch shutter tv but shutter tv is basically like a constant live streaming channel that they have at shutter.com and on thanksgiving are going to do or depending on when you're hearing this did in the past from dusk till dawn thanksgiving special called dinners of death now um <laughs> this is about half as long as his last marathon but still very cool so it should be a lot of fun and I'm personally looking forward to checking this out tomorrow. So mm -hmm. very excited about that. And we will be uh, streaming that on Shutter at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific Time mm -hmm. on Shutter. So yeah, that's something great for your Black Thursday. Absolutely.
Okay, I'm breaking in here with a post-production note. I just had to give you my two cents on something. Jay of the Dead here. I'm recording this little segment the day after Thanksgiving, so it's Black Friday today. And I have to briefly mention the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, and uh, specifically his Dinners of Death. (laughs) So just to give you a little context, when I was young, the midnight horror host that my cousins and I always watched was Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark, a.k.a. Cassandra Peterson. Now, I'm not 100% sure about the name of her show back then. I guess I should have looked that up, but it may have been something like Elvira's Movie Macabre. Sorry, it was way back in the 80s. And I can't remember, honestly, if she was ever on USA Up All Night, but I know I watched that a lot too. Anyway, the point is, I haven't watched a Midnight Horror host in over 30 years. And so last night, after a stressful day of Thanksgiving with the in-laws, I just wanted some time alone, so I tuned in to Shutter TV, which, as Wolfman Josh mentioned, is constantly streaming 24-7, and I checked out uh, Joe Bob Briggs' The Last Drive-In Show, Dinners of Death. (laughs) So, listeners, I gotta tell you this. It was like I stepped into a time machine and was whisked back to 1985. I had an absolute blast. I honestly can't remember the last time that I had that much fun watching movies. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, Last night on his Dinners of Death, it was basically like I was ODing on nostalgia (laughs) and doing this all-night movie marathon. And by the way, I stayed up through a lot of it. I was up pretty late, so I'm dragging a little today, but I'm telling you, it was worth it. And I don't want to spoil everything that happened in case you haven't seen it. Because, by the way, you can still stream Dinners of Death on Shudder. So they have that available for you. But just two quick things. Number one, Joe Bob kicked off his Dinners of Death movie marathon with the greatest horror film ever made. Of course, Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. And he interspersed the movies with his commentary and listener feedback, you know, from the mailbag. And one of my favorite parts was a surprise guest appearance with Michael Berryman. And he visited during Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. And Michael told some cool stories. I recorded one of them for you here just so you could get a little taste of this. So here's the setup. Joe Bob asked Michael Berryman about a promotional stunt that they did during the release of The Hills Have Eyes where apparently Berryman dressed up in his Pluto costume to scare people at a (laughs) drive-in. Okay, so here it is. You got to hear this story. Oh, oh, one more thing. Didn't you dress up like Pluto and and go to a drive-in where they were showing the movie? Tell that story. (laughs) Oh, God. We were trying to promote the movie, so uh, Barry Kahn, Peter Locke, and Wes Craven get into a van, and they have me dress up like Pluto. We go to the the drive-in in in, uh, Van Nuys, California, and uh, during the attack on the, uh, on the family, they said, go scare some people. The only problem was I didn't have my real knife. I had a rubber knife. So I banged on a car window, and I scared this huge guy who grabbed a baseball bat. And as he started chasing me, he said, I'm going to smash your head in, you son of a bitch. You scared my girlfriend. And I don't know where the van is. <laughs> I see the van pull out. The side door opens. I'm out running this guy. And Wes Craven goes, Grab my hand! (laughs) Okay! And off we go. We went to a Denny's and we all sat there stone cold, uh, quiet, didn't say a word. And finally, Peter goes, I think we have a hit. (laughs) You, well, and you and Craven both had a death wish for even trying that. (laughs) So it's not a good idea. (laughs) Thanks, Wes. (laughs) But we survived it. (laughs) 
I can't even tell you how many ill-advised things that my friends and I did that ended up us being at Denny's later reflecting on that experience. <laughs> but anyway, the clip you just heard was from Michael Berryman and Joe Bob Briggs during Shudder's Dinners of Death Midnight Movie Marathon on Thanksgiving night 2018. So you got that one from last night, and then you got the one that happened back in July. That was the, the big one that broke the internet. <laughs> And so both of those are available on Shutter now. And then I'm sure everybody knows this already, but just in case, I just want to let you know, he has a very Joe Bob Christmas coming up. It's slated for Friday, December 21st on Shutter, and I will be watching that. So I hope everybody will join me there. And supposedly in 2019, he's going to be hosting a weekly double feature on Shutter as well. Anyway, I'm sorry to rant and rave so much about Joe Bob Briggs and the last drive-in show, but honestly... Watching that movie marathon last night, alone, but also with so much of the horror community, it was one of my two best memories of 2018. All right, back to the show. Listeners, yes, if you want to support a horror movie podcast, we encourage you to uh, check that out. It's certain to be a good time, and we've given you some recommendations this evening. That's Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast, and the promo code is HMP. So real quick before we uh, resume our <laughs> feature reviews here of uh, Scary Scarecrows, I wanted you guys to know I happened to find, uh, it's just so weird, I just happened to find this. Here's another one that we didn't mention called Scarecrows of the Third Reich. It's a 2018 film. It only has six ratings. That's the lowest I've ever seen. Six ratings on IMDb so far. Only six people have rated it. And it says, the the cover art's very interesting. It's like a scarecrow dressed up like a Nazi. It says, at the end of World War II, Hitler ordered Operation Scarecrow to a small SS outpost in the Silo Heights of Germany. Nobody knew the existence of this clandestine operation, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another one that came out this year. It came out in July, it looks like. I don't see where it's interesting because in 2017 we had werewolves of the third Reich. Oh, okay. So somebody's riffing on that, I guess. Um, and it's not a movie worth riffing on. That's, that's the interesting part. It made my bottom three of, uh, 2017. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Not a good movie, but maybe scarecrows of the third Reich. Never mind. Right. (laughs) And there's another one. I don't know for sure whether we mentioned this or not, but I see it. it's called Curse of the Scarecrow from 2018. It came out, um, I guess, in October-ish. And it says, after witnessing their parents murdered as infants. That's weird. That's a weird sentence. Uh, June and Carl have held a dearly, <laughs> a deadly secret throughout their entire lives, a secret that none will believe. And um, I love IMDb uh, premises. Years later, years later, June is back to investigate the family home. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, finally we get to it. June learns that the scarecrow who came to take her family is walking once again, seeking revenge on the town. So, that's another looking, one. Looking for the infants who could who could finger him as a murderer. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can see that for just $4.99 on Amazon Prime. It has one review, Jay, so good luck with your... That's that's next 40 day 40 curse. weeks of your life curse of the scarecrow. Now, I will say and I'm not I'm not trying to back out of this cuz I I will do it if people are interested. <laughs> but but if if nobody expresses any in, interest whatsoever in hearing this sort of thing, 
Then, too late, Jay. Too then, late. Then we don't we don't have to do a part. No, two. I like that. Yeah, let's let's let the audience decide if they actually want more scary scarecrows. Yeah. Should Jay should Jay watch all of the scarecrow movies over the course of this year? <laughs> now you might get people just saying that you should watch them, even if they don't want another episode. I, I can see I can see Juan giving that a yes without even <laughs> without even checking. I, I can just see him saying yes right off the top. Here's the thing. I am I am up for this. I really am. I can do it if if the listeners want to hear, you know, the results. <laughs> so there you have it. But I I'm probably not going to do the the TV and short uh, short films. So maybe that's The TV are going to be the best <laughs> the best <laughs> entries. You should do the television. <laughs> maybe may or maybe you guys could do that part. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to watch anything good if it's on yeah, television. We we'll, we'll get right on that. Jay would rather rather watch 35 bad movies than four good television. <laughs> All right, let's move into our feature review of Scarecrows from 1988. He just kept coming. Well, let's don't stop it. What are you doing? Somebody is trying to scare us out of here. Beware of the Scarecrow. Kill it. Or you'll come it. Scarecrows, the stuff nightmares are made of. All right, Scarecrows, 1988, directed by William Wesley. Uh, it starts off, you've got these uh, mercenaries. They've just stolen uh, three, approximately $3 million from a military base, and they've hijacked a plane, kidnapped the pilot and his teenage daughter, and they're trying to get south of the border, you know, to, to, to escape justice. But on the way, one of them... Uh, decides he'd rather not uh, share the money. So he takes it and parachutes into a nearby field. Well, the other four aren't going to have that, so they make the pilot turn around. And a few of the, a few of them, it's interesting, three of them jump out of the plane, and the fourth one makes him land the plane in a field nearby. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> as, uh, as they're chasing this, uh, this one uh, member of their team who has stolen the money, um, they slowly start to realize that the scarecrows that are all over the fields around them uh, are not the inanimate objects they appear to be. Mm-hmm. And one by one, they learn this in rather brutal fashion. Yes. Now, I had, as I, I had seen this movie back uh, for the blog. It was number 270 of my 2500. So it was back in May of 2011. And watching it again, it, it it really I hadn't remembered a lot of it, um, and I did give it a you know a favorable review. It's interesting that I don't know it it didn't quite hold up as well on a second viewing. I, I thought that, <laughs> um, no, the dialogue was almost like you know it was r- ridiculous at sometimes, but it was like a funny ridiculous. It didn't even bother me. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get really sort of dumb dialogue, it, it can take you out of a movie. In this one, it was just sort of like I don't know. I was getting into the, I was getting into it a little bit, and it, but it's it's not good. I mean, some of the, uh, you know, the, the the what it is is the the guy who stole the money is on the ground and he has his radio still on, you know, and and he's listening, and they're talking to him the whole time, smack talking, um, smack talking to him the whole time, and it's it's just kind of dumb stuff. Even when they're talking to each other. Um, I got an example for it's you. Fun. you yeah, might. I was going to say if you, yeah, definitely. Um, so I wrote this one. I loved this one. This was my favorite. It made me laugh out loud, really loud in my house. 
And um, the uh, this language is a, a little coarse and salty, just so people are known in case your kids are listening. <laughs> so the one guy says, damn, I dropped my harmonica. And the other guy says, you can blow Bert's balls off. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? Who wrote this? Like, like, like seventh graders or something. I mean, and that's, that's just a sample. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one, the line I was going to say to Jay at the beginning of this episode, God to Bert, your birthday has been canceled. And it feels like these guys are just improv a lot of this stuff is what is the, the vibe I got. Right. Actually. Yeah. You, you get that feeling. You How about that which, feeling? I thought it was really fun. Is it like, you know, Shakespeare? No, but it's it's a pretty It's fun. It was fun an, it was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it was entertaining yeah. to listen to them. Wait. And <laughs> there's a scene where it plays into it. I'm sorry, Jay, go ahead. Uh, uh, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm such a jerk. But there's one more I gotta say. I gotta there's there's one moment where where the, the lady is saying, Stop it, stop it, you're killing him. And the guy says, Change her diaper, will ya? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Hey, go ahead. I'm sorry. I like this one where Curry says, uh, "Turn around, Bird. I want to shoot you in the back." <laughs> like that. Yeah, exactly. That that was the scene that I I really liked where they had Bert. He was the one who stole the money. Yeah. Where they had him just running and they're saying, "I got you. I got you in my sights. Yes. Come on. You're coming closer. You're getting closer." That was a yeah. great scene. I really liked really that well scene. Done. But. Yeah. Yeah. But one more thing on this dialogue stuff. The fact that his, first of all, the fact that his name is Bert is a little distracting. Second, they say it a million times over and over. And third, it reminds me of Singing in the Rain, how the director who, who who's, who's like ready to replace the stuntman Bert, he says Bert over and over. It reminds me of that Singing in the Rain scene. Anyways, go, go ahead. Sorry. Interesting. I'll shut up now. I really will. No, that's fine. I, um... I did like the look of the scarecrows in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're really they, well done. Yeah, Creepy. I thought they were excellent. And They're Norman Cabrera creations, who has had a pretty long career. He's been on Rick Baker's design team. He's worked with KMB Effects for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a sculptor most recently on Annabelle, but he's worked on Attack the Block. He was the creature sculptor, which is like one of my favorite right. creature designs. Work Drag Me to Hell, the Blade movies, Wolf, nice. uh, Gremlins 2, which is a wash with creature <laughs> effects, uh, the X Files from Dust to Dawn, Spawn, mm-hmm. um, The Walking wow. Dead. That's a hell of a career. Hellboy. Right yeah. Yeah. He's I, done a lot of stuff. And, That's and awesome. House of a Thousand Corpses. I, oh, nice. I'll even go so far to say these are some of perhaps the creepiest scarecrows that I've seen in this subgenre so far for me. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we we know who they are because the camera will fo- focuses on a, what three or four times mm-hmm. that photo hanging in the house. So we yeah. kind of figure it out. Um, it doesn't matter though. Cause they're still very creepy. And I, even though I don't know, I didn't quite understand how they knew this, but the way that they would mimic the voices was was kind of was kind of unsettling as well. Though they would the the, the scarecrows yeah. would lure people in by mimicking the voices of those they knew. Um, I thought that was an interesting twist and an effective one as far as the as far as the horror elements. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. it worked. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a supernatural thing going on here that, again, is not for me. I mean, there there is kind of like there are physical attacks in this more than there are in Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, but not that's like different creatures than we see like on the poster, for instance. And right. I, I wish I just love the look of like both the Scarecrow in this film and the Scarecrow in Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I would love to see them in full action as slashers, you know, to me, mm. that would be really creepy right. and exciting. Yeah. yeah. This one comes a little closer, like you were saying, than the last film. Yes. You see them a little bit more in this one. But there uh, is than, like than this paranormal that. psychological element to this, which I think is yes. well done, but it mm-hmm. reminds me of Amityville horror or the haunting of Hill house or something like that, where it's really playing on the sanity of right. the other characters. And it's interesting how all of that sort of that corny dialogue at the beginning does build the characters to the point that as the movie gets a little bit deeper, you 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 become invested in them. I mean, even the criminals. I mean, that's basically what this movie mostly features. Yeah, is this, is this well, band of mercenaries? Like the criminals from Die Hard or something like they. Right. It feels like an action movie at first, but they are right. those types of criminals. These kind of like witty bantery muscle band guys with machine guns you know <laughs> <laughs> you would exactly. see like an 80s action movie yeah right but it works i mean even though like we're laughing at some of their lines and rightly so and i don't even think we've touched on all of the 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 the, the funny you know the the funny unintentionally or uh, or otherwise but i think that it does work it works to sort of get you more invested in these characters i think this movie gets stronger as it goes um, you know, I didn't like the necessarily like the whole scene in the plane at the beginning the first time. And this time I liked it a little bit less, but once they're in that farm and, and things are going, you know, South, it, it picks up and it does a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm with you like this of all the, so over the years, as I've heard other horror fans discuss, uh, a scarecrow type of horror, this seems, I mean, of course, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and this one seems to be the other one that people really tend to lean on or favor. And yeah. it's weird because when you when you first watch this, you're kind of like, I, I don't know, you're kind of, of of two minds. At least I was. I'm, you know, I was like, well, it's not really that good, is it? But then it's like, well, it's kind of good. I mean, it, it gets there. But yeah. I think the dialogue, the characters are so distracting it's almost like you have, okay, do you remember, this is a weird analogy, but do you remember the, the movie Three Amigos, how, how they, they end up in a situation that they think is just part of their gig, and it's actually right. real, they're in actual peril. Well, this kind of reminds me of that kind of thing where you've got these characters, you know, that are at the wrong backlot, you know, film set, and they end up in this movie instead of in like yeah. a Mel Gibson 80s movie with Danny Glover or something. Well, it's kind of how Predator begins too, right? You think you're in kind of a uh, oh, Vietnam yeah. War movie with muscle-bound dudes, and then it turns into like a stock and slash yeah. kind of movie. Yeah, yeah that's a great – I like that, Josh. That's a really good parallel. It does remind Definitely, me of that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even the most recent um, Predator movie from 2018, yeah. The Predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Jay. I think there's something about this movie and Dark Knight of the Scarecrow that they really feel like 
cult movies. Like they feel like the kind of movie that are very easy to dismiss that a lot of mainstream audiences would see and be like, this movie's pretty bad. But it's also, it has us that certain something, that uh, je ne sais quoi, like this, <laughs> this intangible element, <laughs> X factor, if yeah. I could get it any lamer way of, of uh, putting this across. Um, it has just that certain something that makes it really rewatchable and weirdly nostalgic even if you're seeing it for the first time. And I don't know. I really, I really enjoy this just like I enjoyed the last one, but they are definitely in the cult movie. Yeah. Mode. It's, it's, mm-hmm. is this the, I think this is the movie I watched today where, where somebody says, reach out and touch someone. Yes. The AT and T slogan. Yeah, I mean, that's yes. such a, that's uh, people are, you know, most people uh, born after, <laughs> Uh, or born later than like the the eighties are not going to know what the hell that is. Right. But I I did laugh, <laughs> and it's corny, but I did laugh at that line just remembering those commercials. For, yeah. Uh, for well, I guess <laughs> Bell was it? Yeah. Yeah, or AT and T or something. Yeah, it's really it really dates the film when they 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 put that because yeah that was a really famous advertising campaign for the phone company right. and and uh, yeah it kind of locks it into this era which normally you would think is a bad thing but you know like that's the kind of thing that now i criticize in in current films like this is a a non-horror movie but the movie moana which (laughs) as a pacific islander i really appreciate their attention to detail with the culture and then there's this dumb joke about Twitter yes. in the movie. I'm like, what? Why would you put that in there? It's going to completely date this movie. At the time, you think, that's so lame. But now, looking back on a film like this, that is a cult film, it's right. so charming to have mm-hmm. these dumb dated references. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually it thought... It enriches the experience <laughs> even more from a pop cultural perspective i totally thought of you this week josh because somebody on twitter coincidentally said that about moana they were commenting on that and they're like moana is almost a perfect film except for that one twitter joke and all that (laughs) i I totally thought of you but uh not so why would you put that in there so this is to me this is a perfect example i mean this is the poster child of uh, one of those USA up all night movies. Did you guys have that in your parts of the country? USA up all night. Oh yeah, absolutely. I figured. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about Joe Bob Briggs here in a minute, but that's right. This is a very much like a midnight movie you would watch with a horror host. And yeah, absolutely. And so I like that part of it. So I think that if people are looking for something with that feel to it, this, this definitely has that also, and this is very weird and random, but sometimes I look for things like this. I notice that there's a lot of uh, green night vision goggles in this movie. So I don't know if, if you ever have a party where you have, um, you know, I, some kind of weird lighting. That's a lot of green lighting or, and you need a horror film for that. There's enough of the green lighting in this early on that I feel like this would be a neat thing to play at a party like that. That's a random recommendation, but I'm just saying. (laughs) So one other trivia that I found on this, I guess supposedly this film did play theatrically for one week in Des Moines, Iowa. (laughs) According to IMDb, I guess, but... 
<laughs> wow. one week in the Moines, Iowa. Yeah. So anything else that you guys have to say? It, it feels weird because it feels like there's not a lot to say about this without because there's not much to it, right? Well, because it gets it gets stronger at the end, and you don't really want to spoil a whole lot of it, you know, because right. you, you assume a lot of people haven't seen it yet. Um, what I would say is hang in there. <laughs> right. Because I think some people after 15 minutes, they might want to turn it off and say, what the hell is this? Yes. Uh, but hang in there because the movie does get stronger. It really does. It gets better as it goes along. Um, and the, it's, 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 it can scare you. I mean, some of the later scenes, like I was saying with the, with the way the scarecrow sort of draw you in. Um, you're kind of like, wow, that's, and you know, they're doing it. It's funny because, you know, the characters can't figure it out, but you know it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works. So it's one of those ones that you, you, you just kind of, kind of power through <laughs> the, the, the beginning of it. Uh, and the, you know, you'll, it'll be, it'll reward you. I think it will anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, and like I was saying, you can kind of laugh at the dialogue. So it's not like you're not going to be entertained. You can laugh at the give and take uh, over this radio that a lot of these characters are, you know, the discussions, the, not discussions, but the threats and, and whatnot that they're uh, they're thrown at uh, poor Bert. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a B movie. Uh, I think it's a just quintessential. I, I just absolutely a B movie. And the other thing that I think that um, people might appreciate about this is how uh it's slowly, as Dave was suggesting, it slowly escalates. I mean, a lot of it is about this, these criminals chasing their double crossing, you know, thieving partner. And then, you know, slowly the, the, the scarecrows start preying upon them. And I, I just, I like that structure. I like that setup in a horror film. It's very common, but anyways, are we ready to rate this? <clears throat> I think so. Okay. I am anyway. All right. All right, so uh, Wolfman Josh, you start us off. What do you say? Well, I mean, I've kind of just said it. I think it could easily be regarded as just a bad film, but it's one of those (laughs) that really, for me, uh, just hit all the right nostalgia buttons. I love the way it's shot. I love the creature design. I love the bad 80s dialogue, and I don't know. There's just something about it that works for me on that cult film level. And so, yeah, for me, it's right around the same place as I would put the last one. I'd call this one a 7.5. And I would say everyone should see it once if you're a fan of 80s horror. But for me, I personally, it's a buy. I, I, I'm calling it a rental for my recommendation. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy it, like I'm, there's a great Shout Factory Blu-ray of this, and I'm going to buy this sucker. I, you know, I rented it on Amazon Prime because it's a free rental, so it's an easy commitment if you want to check it out once. Um, but then, yeah, I, I liked it enough. I'm going to purchase it. <laughs> okay, awesome. I bought it from Dave for like a dollar, right, Dave? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say for, for Jay, it was a buy. <laughs> That's right, but but uh, Dave, what's your rating on this? Um, I, it's going to be a little less than Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, but I agree with uh, pretty much everything Josh had said. I'd probably give it. I was going to do a 6.5, but I think I'm going to go with a 7, 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And it is a rental. I will take a look at that Blu-ray from uh, <laughs> from Screen Factory. I mean, now that you have my DVD, Jay, I, I'll take a look at the the, the Blu-ray. 
Um, Cause it's one of those movies. I wasn't sure if I would ever watch again. So the fact that this episode popped up um, and I did watch it again and I, you know, like I said, yeah, it's not, there are people out there who are going to say this isn't good. And right. what can we, we, we're, sort of it we're sort of agreeing with you mm-hmm. uh but by the same token it's it's fun you know it's it's it is one of those 80s films that you can look a little bit past the 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 cheesiness of it all uh to see what it's trying to get at um so yeah seven out of ten and it's a rental i think but i will be checking out that blu-ray to see what uh see what it has mm-hmm. i'm not sure what the dvd has jay but um as I understand it, the Blu-ray has an unrated version as well. And so there's the original theatrical version and the unrated. And I don't know which one is on Amazon that I saw. Hmm. But uh, I'll be interested to compare those, I guess, when we get to the Blu-ray. Yeah. I don't know either. Honestly. Because I, I, uh, it was just on Prime, right? Yeah. So that's what I did. I was I didn't. Even, I thought you had the DVD. I, I do have it, but it's at work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you bought the DVD for me for a dollar, mm-hmm. and then went on and watched it on Prime for free. Of watching the DVD for, for free. free. I'm not saying <laughs> I understand that. I understand it was free, but you're you have it. You're holding it in your hand. Well, I wasn't because my my DVD was at work, and I was um. Oh, were they in the other sitting, room? <laughs> no, I was sitting at home. Oh, okay. And, uh, All right. You know, so it would have been a, like a 35 minute drive. Anyways, um, <laughs> or you could have remembered to bring it home with you. Well, okay, I can't remember everything, Dave. You know, <laughs> so, so for me, I'm right there with you, exactly where you are, Doctor Shock. This is a seven out of ten for me. I call it a rental, and I, you're right, it's fun. It's not a great movie. It's um, the scarecrows are scary looking. I love the design. I just I can't ex- stress that enough. I think it's worthy just for that. And it's also a bizarre little cinematic oddity because you've got characters um, who seem like, as we've discussed, they seem like they're in an action film. They don't seem like they're meant to be victims and then they end up becoming victims. And I just love kind of like mashing those two together. It's pretty cool. Seven out of 10 rental. And that's Scarecrows from 1988. Now, one question for some reason, I was thinking I could have sworn, and I would have lo- missed this on a test. I could have sworn there was a sequel to this film, hmm. but then I wasn't finding one in any of my research, so I guess I was wrong. Uh, I do have a review here from Sal Roma, who watched this for his 31 Days of Halloween this year. Mm-hmm. This was his day 28 entry. He posted it here on horrormoviepodcast.com. Um, I'll skip the middle portion where he kind of synopsizes the film, but I'll give you guys a little bit of it here. Go for it. Uh, Sal says, I originally saw Scarecrows around 2006 after it received some recommendations and references to being a bit of a hidden gem. It certainly came across as being a movie that most people had forgotten even existed unless you asked select horror fans. It didn't help matters that the film didn't receive a wide theatrical release. And up until its 2007 DVD release, Finding a proper copy wasn't the easiest task. Nowadays, it couldn't be any easier to find, thanks to the Shout Factory Blu-ray release in 2015 and the fact that it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Since I watched Scarecrows on Amazon Prime, I'm unsure of its original version or unrated, but I was pretty pleased with the level of gore that we got. It's not often, but when the Scarecrows get their hands on a poor victim, 
They channel their inner Jason Voorhees by cutting them up or stabbing them multiple times. It's some good-looking, low-budget kills. The fact that the Scarecrow then slices up their victim's chest, blah, 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 sorry, spoilers, <laughs> was particularly rewarding when the other characters stumble upon their bodies. Overall, when I first saw Scarecrows, I regarded it as a hidden gem from the 80s with this mo- most recent watch, which sounds kind of like it was Dave's experience. I didn't think it quite held up from the quality standpoint. But this time around, I appreciated what they managed to do with a budget of about a half million dollars. The fact of the matter is that the Scarecrow-based horror movies tend to be some of the worst horror you can watch. The result is that although 1988 Scarecrows is flawed and limited by its budget, it's still easily the best Scarecrow-centric horror film you can get your hands on. <laughs> Rating 7 <laughs> out of 10. That's from Sal Roma. Mm-hmm. There you go. Nice. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's right in line with, uh, with us. Yep. Yes, it awesome. is. Yes. So and he well must said, be right. You know, you know it's <laughs> it's pretty much what everybody sa- says when they see this this movie. It's 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 not great, but uh, there's something about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at a Blu-ray review from BlueFile.com, and they say um, from the Blu-ray review portion, uh, the picture and sound both have an A minus rating, which is pretty high, and then it lists the special features. There's audio commentary with the director and producer. Another audio commentary with the co-writer and director of photography and composer. There's a 16-minute featurette about the makeup effects designer Norman Cabrera and an interview with actor Ted Vernon and original storyboards and still gallery. So pretty loaded Blu-ray there as well. Nice. All right. That's uh, Scarecrows from 1988. Let us know what you think in the show notes for episode 162, Scary Scarecrows. And speaking of which, let's move into our feature review of Husk from 2011. What do you think we'll see those chicks this year? A little strip poker? <laughs> what has happened? Hello? I'm so excited to be talking about this film. This is supposedly, I've heard this and I could see, I could see where people would say this. It's like a loose remake of the 1988 film, Scarecrows. But it, it veers. I mean, it's so similar in some ways, but different in other ways. And Josh, I'm really excited for you to see this because to date of the Scary Scarecrow films that I've seen, this oh. one is the best one so far for me personally. Oh, wow. I'm sorry I missed this one, Jay. That's all right. I know you're busy. I, I, was, I was going to even prioritize two other films before I got to this one because I really wanted to see Jacko. The, the uh, post art really appealed to me. But. Oh, no no sweat. So this was written and directed by Brett Simmons, and people may know him because he did a pretty decent Beastly Freak film named Animal. I don't know if you guys saw that. These people are like in the woods and... There's I remember this, your review of it, yeah. Yeah, I dig yeah, that. I see that. It's good. It's from like 2016, and it's a, or maybe even 2014. It's a siege narrative, and it's pretty cool. So, and that's on Amazon Prime, by the way, Animal there. So, I'd recommend that. But I remember first hearing about Husk from Planet Macabre, actually. It was from Greg Amortis's, uh, what was his uh, news from the underworld? Flash. Slash from, oh, news from the underworld. Yeah, yeah his, his segment where he did the news. And um, that's where I first heard the premise on this. This is an after dark horror fest film. And here's the premise. You've got five friends. They're traveling through rural Nebraska on a weekend getaway. And then their vehicle is suddenly attacked 
by this flock of wild crows and they crash, right? And uh, turns out they're stranded near this desolate cornfield and they find shelter in this old farmhouse. But soon they discover that they're in the midst, in the center of a supernatural ritual. So that's the premise. This reminds me so much of kind of the setup to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, Dave, our favorite film, because, you know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you you get these people who kind of get stranded and come to this house and just find awful horrors. If I were to uh, categorize this film, it does have a supernatural aspect to it. It's it's slightly, you could argue it's slightly uh, zombie-esque, and it's got some of that, you know, some of the tropes of zombie films that we love and appreciate uh, where, you know, you have, well, I don't want to go into that. I'll just leave it at that. You'll, you'll see familiar things that are like struggles for the characters in zombie films. You'll see it here, which is cool. And it's kind of a blend of like, um, you know, haunting position zombie movie. And um, this stars uh, one of, a young actress that I really appreciate, Tamon Sursock. Do you guys know her? Um She's a looker. She looks very familiar to me. I, I I didn't look her up on IMDb to see her other credits, but as I was watching this movie, she looks very familiar. You probably remember her day from Flicka 2 or Aquamarine. <laughs> so, yeah, that must be it. I'm just kidding. She's <laughs> yeah. She's actually been in other horror films as well. There was one Albino Farm. She was in that, and that's probably Oh, that's that's probably the one because we reviewed that not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that's probably the one you know her from. But any anyway, she's um this um, you know, very attractive uh, South African um, actress, and she's wonderful. So uh, anyway, I like seeing her in films, and she's in this. And um, Dave, I want to just kick it over to you real quick. What are your uh, general thoughts about Husk? Well, I had never seen it before, and I had I had actually forgotten about that um the the news. Uh, segment from Planet Macabre. I didn't even realize uh, realize that. So this was my first time sort of experiencing the movie. But yeah, I really, really liked this film. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there's a, it, this is now even more so than Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Even after the crash, and it's something that happens to them that, that causes them to go off the road and, and have this accident. It's something pretty, you know, pretty graphic. Um, you know, as far as what happens to their vehicle. Mm-hmm. But even after that, you're looking at this setting and you're thinking you don't even feel the horror yet. You know, you don't even you're not even thinking this is going to be a horror film because this is about as idyllic a setting mm-hmm. as you're going to see in a horror film at the beginning, at the outset. It really sort of puts you at ease. Pretty. It's pretty. So then. As it builds, as it as it gets more, and and it does get more intense, um, yeah. And, and it, your your description of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, it's not like that film, uh, you know, as far as story or or whatnot. But you do get that feeling, you know, when they get to that farmhouse, mm-hmm. you get that same feeling. And once they're walking around in this farmhouse, uh, some. Clearly, nobody has been in there for some time, at least not inhabiting this farmhouse, you know, living in this farmhouse. Right. Uh, things have been going on in there. Um, and I did like this. I did like this story. I did like how they 
they handled how, uh, with the scarecrows and you know and what happens uh, uh to anybody who uh, <laughs> i guess meets up with them oh yeah or you know that that was that was really great and this and this the, the fact that you know, you got to think it must be easy to get lost in a cornfield. And they touch on that, you know, at the beginning when they're trying to get to this farmhouse. Mm-hmm. They see it in the distance and as they're walking through. They sort of lose their bearings. And one guy has to, you know, get lifted up as, oh, OK, I see it. Um, <laughs> it's got to be that way. Like you're just running and you don't know what direction you're running in. If you're running in the, the right way, you're running deeper into it. Um, I mean, you get a general idea, I guess. But still, it's it, and this is pretty deep into this cornfield. Yeah, they get. I, I'm with you. Uh, the cornfields are used very well in this. Yeah, absolutely. It's used very well in this film. And what happens to the people, I thought, was really something. And they, they do something with their... I don't want to go too deep. I really don't. I don't mm-hmm. want to get spoiled too much. Yeah. But something with their fingers at the outset. <laughs> that you're just like, wow. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's... there's This one has... It has the graphic... Graphic violence, but I, it didn't look uh, like over the top graphic to me. I mean, you know, there the, it it was like just enough to make it effective. I think, well, without without crossing the line into like you know all out gore, right? And and that's something I'd like to talk about real quick. Is just the the nature of these scarecrows is really cool because they're lethal, they're fast, they slash at the victims, they're they're really good with ropes and crucifixes and. And what's really freaky to me is, and picture this, Josh, they they drag their victims through the cornfield. Like when they attack, like they'll grab somebody and drag them through. Yeah. And and that's super scary. Just yeah, imagine yeah. being dragged by a scarecrow. And not even just corn. dragged. Then what they do to you. Oh, yeah. You know, once they get you to where they're, where they're taking you. <laughs> There's, it gets much worse than that, but... but but yeah, so I mean, this is a this is kind of a mystery for sure, and it builds and 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 unfolds. And here's the thing, um, I I I actually have reviewed this before, way back in episode twenty two. I've talked about this, and I mentioned how this story. This is so cool to me. This story does have its roots in a biblical story, and there's a there's a reference in this, and and I love. Um, you know, being familiar with that story and what happens in the biblical story. And and I would advise people look into that if you're not familiar with it, just for some context on this film. I think it really informs the film and makes it work well. And the other thing that's really cool to me, Dave, is um, for people who like <laughs> for people who never thought like a, a sewing machine could be a, a, a scary type of prop in a film. uh this is a very scary prop in this film. Yes, like, it, it is because of what's happening there. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's, I agree a hundred percent. Now, some of the flashbacks, I thought they worked. I thought they were good. Um, mm-hmm. And it was interesting how they were done. I, I will say the one thing I, uh, about the movie, and this is just a personal because I wanted to say it. They set something up at the end that never, that doesn't deliver. Mm-hmm. And it's not that that didn't, work within the context of the film it's just it it has sort of gotten my hopes up to see something big you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. okay that i was really sort of looking forward to seeing i don't know that i can really hold the filmmakers accountable for it because it's not it's not where they wanted to go with it and i understand that yeah but they're setting something up at the end and i was like wow i'm really looking forward to this scene 
once this happens and then it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. that was a disappointment to me personally. I, I don't know that I can hold the film accountable for it because it wasn't where the filmmakers were going with it. It just seemed like that's where they were going with it. Yeah. Um, and kind of got my hopes up a little bit. Yeah. And I guess my, um, my constructive criticism for this film, like the thing that kind of bugged me about it and distracted me was you have these astounding events, like horrifying, supernatural, crazy things happening around you. And these characters are pretty quiet about it. They're not really talking about it or trying to figure it out or acknowledging that, hey, this is some weird stuff. You know, like like there are terrible things happening. What are these scarecrows? You know, it's just like they go about their business. And that drives me nuts because you know that if you were in that situation, you would be like, what are we being attacked by scarecrows? Is that really what's happening? How can this be happening? When characters aren't responding like an, a, a normal human being would respond under like a dire condition, do you, does that take you out of it? Yeah, I don't always notice, like, at the time, it just, it's one of those things that just makes the film feel like something's not working mm-hmm. for me, if I'm, I'm not, sorry, I'm not articulating that well, but yeah. it's not always something that's top of mind, but I just, I realize that, yeah, it's not, something feels off about this, and then... Yeah, maybe on a rewatch, I notice. Oh, yeah, like why is the character doing this in this circumstance? But yeah, it's not. It's not always something that I notice right off the bat. If you and I were ever in a horror scenario, mm-hmm. I, I would be commenting about it. I'm. I'm just saying. Like, I, I will yeah. be the guy who's there saying, "I can't believe we're getting killed by scarecrow." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I know that like sometimes in a zombie movie, they don't want the characters to actually say zombie because it's like, for whatever reason, they don't want them to be aware of zombies, whatever universe they're in. And I appreciate that. But, but you could still say, what the, you know, like, what is, you know what I mean? It's just so weird because, well, yeah, when they act nonchalant, it's just irritating. But anyways, Dave uh, lost his Wi-Fi or something, so he'll be back with us in a moment. But what are you thinking, Josh, about what you've heard so far? Have, have we been selling you on this film, or are you going to see this? Yeah, I mean, I will say the poster was a big factor for me. It just looked like less appealing to me than kind of the kitsch of those other older films, you know. And so your description sounds better, but there's, I don't know, I, I don't love modern slashers for some reason they don't always work for me and Mm -hmm. so uh, unless i hear one is really good i don't go out of my way to see it typically i love 80s slashers but um i don't know there's something about the aesthetic of newer slashers that i don't enjoy as much typically yeah well i could you know and I, i can definitely see how um this sounds like it has like and you could argue there are some definite slasher elements but, um, you know, just because of the mystery that's built, the story that mm-hmm. unfolds, the ferocity of these scarecrows. Um, and, and, yeah, I, and I, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying the poster kind of led me down that path, but your review has, has oh, okay. won me over a bit. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I mean, there's something about, and, and I do see why people would, would be able to say it's, it's sort of a remake or something. It's very, it, it does have some similarity. Um, you know, because you've got these people who are stuck in this situation and then this group of uh, scarecrows is preying upon them. You know, it's 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 kind of interesting that way. But um, anyway, I, I think it's definitely worth people's time. I'll just rate it right now real quick just to um, 
<laughs> you know, because I, I, there's not much more I can say about it because it would be like spoilery to go into m- more on this because it has a lot of things that they're developing for you as it goes. But for me, you know, back when I reviewed this in episode 22, it was a 7.5 out of 10. And for me, this is a buy. I mean, I, I enjoy this very much. I think for most people, though, for most listeners out there, I think it would just be like a, a strong rental. I think they rent it and dig it and think it was cool. Like you've heard in our voicemails, I do appreciate this film. And I think it's one of the, it's the best scary scarecrow movie that I've seen so far. But, but what do you say, Dr. Shuck? As much as I do love Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, this one is probably the scariest of the three that we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come in at the same as Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 and I am going to call it a buy. Because I do plan to pick it up. This is one that, as far as uh, this one could be, I think this one and Dark Knight of the Scarecrow are the two. I mean, I, and that's what our callers have been saying. You know, our, our uh, who was it who called in? Was it was it Trey and Trey and, and Jody, Jody and uh, Victor. Victor and Victor? All three. Yeah, this this is one um, that ranks right up there. Mm-hmm. So it, if you want to, uh, any two, I guess, if we were to recommend two from this show. All three are recommendations, but if we were to say two that you want to check out to really, you know, get an idea of what um, straw-headed horror—I can't believe I said that—is uh, all about, um, <laughs> then it would be Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and Husk. Nice, yeah, I'm with you. So Dave says eight out of ten. He says buy it, and uh, it wasn't it. So was it Slashley G? Was she the one that suggested straw-headed horror for? I think it was barely Ashley. Barely Ashley. Sorry, Barry. Gotcha. Barely Ashley. Got to give you a shout out for that. That is yeah, a great awesome. name. <laughs> Straw-headed horror. That's you awesome. know it. And we got one more email um, I wanted to read to you. This this comes from Fred. I appreciate Fred's email. He says, hey, semi-long-time, semi-regular listener here reaching out for the first time. Just catching up on the last couple of episodes. And I heard that you're doing a Scarecrow-themed episode. It may not be as compelling as Pig-Headed Horror silly as it is i have i have noticed it more <laughs> so he, he gives he he gives me that much he says but i'm looking forward to this one i've done some work for a production company called scared stiff tv over the years that produces horror themed shorts and one of our episodes these can all be found on youtube fits into the so-called straw-headed horror subgenre because of that, I ended up searching for all sorts of the very different and disparate movies and TV episodes featuring scarecrows. There's a surprising amount of material out there, as it turns out, and of varying quality, naturally. And I think it might actually be a richer subject than guys wearing pig heads, believe it or not. <laughs> I know, and that's for oh, re- the hell you say. Yeah, that's regrettable, Fred. I just have to tell you that. Anyways, Fred continues. <laughs> Anyway, looking forward to that show and the Christmas-themed episode, which is how I found your podcast to begin with. Thanks for the free content and congratulations on uh, working with Shudder. And he says, thanks again, Fred. So thank you, Fred. He also wrote some thoughts about Hellraiser Judgment, which are great, but um, we appreciate you writing in, Fred. That was wonderful. That's awesome. So that's cool, right? I mean, so if, if for those who are interested in this subject... Yeah, maybe there are more out there, as you've heard in the course of this episode, than you thought. But we can't, you know, we can't guarantee the quality. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> right. All right. So 
Anyways, at this point, uh, I think that just about wraps up episode 162 of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Straw-Headed Horror. This is Scary Scarecrows Part 1. Let us know genuinely if you want a Part 2. If you're pretty much tired of this, you won't hurt my feelings. (laughs) We could just keep on moving and do other stuff. But um, if you'd like Down the Road, a Part 2, and you want to hear about these other movies, then... You know, I'm up for the challenge. I say bring it on. Um, or if you're just willing to sit through one another episode so that Jay has to sit through 40 <laughs> movies, <laughs> let us know about that as well. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's there funny. Go. I like how it's always about punishing me. That's great. <laughs> well, you're the one that brought that up. <laughs> well, anyways. So that, would, that would actually, that might be the um, the first episode before our October coverage next year <laughs> if you get started right now jay i know i think we could get that in time be- before we get into our october that's amazing uh, coverage that's a pretty good goal actually i know uh, let's let's do it um all right i think it'd be fun just if the listeners want to hear it if they're like no no we're so sick of this you know then tell me but okay Anyways, um, we want to thank our patrons who uh, sponsor and support our show. Those who are subscribed to the Movie Podcast Network Patreon feed where we put out bonus content for you. That's one episode per month. We're grateful for everybody's support there and we're also grateful to Shudder. Remember, if you like this show, the best way that you can support a horror movie podcast is to try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast and use our promo code HMP. And uh, as far as uh, where you can check me out, it's DVDinfatuation.com for my reviews. Also at DVD Infatuation on Twitter. There's Facebook, Instagram, and other podcasts. You know, looking forward to the Universal Monsters cast, uh, getting back into it with Josh after in uh, the first part of 2019. Also the We Deal in Lead podcast, the Westerns. I'm sure we'll have another one of them coming up soon. And the Land of the Creeps podcast with Greg Amortis, uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, Jesse Robbins, and uh, Justin Beam. Check that out at landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. On the uh, We Deal in Lead, you guys should check out uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the new Coen Brothers film that's streaming on Netflix. I am looking forward to, to seeing that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to any Coen Brothers film for me. There's certain certain filmmakers, it's like an event. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Cone Brothers are definitely that for me. Anytime they release something, I'm, I'm always anxious to see it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's a trip. I think you guys nice. enjoy it. And um, what about you, Wolfman Josh? Where can the listeners catch up with your work? You can find me online at Icarus Arts, which is uh, short for my production company, Icarus Arts and Entertainment. I am on Letterboxd, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I would love to connect with you in those places. We will be back after the new year at Universal Monsters Cast. I'm excited about that. Other than that, I'm just right here at HorrorMoviePodcast.com. So check out some of our back episodes. We'd love it if you'd leave a review. We've got a lot of fun episodes. If you go to HorrorMoviePodcast.com and check out the sidebar, you can see all of our old franchise reviews, all of our fun themed episodes from cannibals to cults. Haunted Houses, Art House Vampires, someone was just telling me that they went back and listened to recently. Mm. A lot of fun episodes there on the sidebar and uh, some good times and great oldies. That's right. (laughs) And Dr. Shark, before you give your plugs, if you don't mind, tease out your next episode idea. Episode 163, which you're going to get in two weeks. Dave came up with a great plan for that. 
yeah, I, I originally, you know, instead of a themed episode, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I could top straw-headed horror. <laughs> so I was getting a little nervous. So I thought maybe what we could do is with with the end of the year approaching so quickly, I think we need to delve into some more 2018 films. But as an idea, I thought maybe each host, each one of us can bring at least two movies to the table that we think people should see before putting their list together. Not necessarily that they're going to make the list, but that they're quality films that we have not mentioned previously, you know, uh, on the podcast. Sort of, um, I don't know, hidden gems, if you will from 2018 that we feel people, you know, the, that the listeners should watch before finally uh, finalizing any lists. Uh, so that'll be at least six movies that uh, we're shooting for ones that we haven't uh, mentioned before. Um, I have a few, and I know Jay, you said you have a few, and Josh is going to, mm-hmm. you know, I guess see what, what never mind. I, I know of at least two that I'm interested in checking out. I don't know how those overlap with yours. Okay. Oftentimes when we do the show, we kind of try to surprise each other a little bit yes, with our picks. Yes. In this case, we'll probably have to make sure we've got six. We'll have to do a little bit. We'll have to do a little bit of discussion. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's that's what we're going to shoot for. Um, and that's this can count as my themed episode. I did have something else in mind. Uh, it fell apart a little bit as I was doing a little bit of research. <laughs> I'm, so, um, I'm so, so curious about that, Dave. It's just well, I'll, I'll touch on that when my Maybe next it wasn't time. on the level of pig-headed horror. Come on, no, Dave, step that's it the up. Problem. I, I couldn't. I, I, Jay has set the bar so high <laughs> that I just I I was I'm afraid. He's he's made me nervous now. He's made me a little gun shy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but this just made more sense with us approaching the end of the year and uh, with the episode. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Um, so that's what we're going to do. It'll be six 2018 films that um, we think you should check out before putting your list together. Right. Yeah. And for people who are not longtime listeners, we have a really fun end of the year coming up here. We've got our annual Christmas episode where each year we cover Christmas horror films. And this year we've got at least two new releases that look really good that we are going to be talking about. If not four new releases that look really good. Um, We've got our end of year list where we do our top 10 lists. That's always a good time. We reveal our top 10 of the year, as well as our listeners collective top 10. We also then do an award show where we talk about the finer points of some of the better films of the year from the cinematography to the acting to the editing. And then, um, we're also talking about returning to our winter with Stephen King that we started last winter where we reviewed Misery and The Shining this winter we're going to cover Storm of the Century yes and what was the other one? Oh, Dreamcatcher so yeah. finishing out our winter with Stephen King episode so a lot of fun stuff coming up on the show if you're a new listener yeah yeah and, and I believe Josh if I'm not mistaken the Christmas horror is your favorite and the top 10 is my favorite. What's your favorite, Dave, of the year? I am really looking forward to the top 10 this year. Uh, in past years, it's been the one I've, you know, when the, when the challenge was going. Last year, I got involved. But before that, I, I, I never got to see the newer releases. So it was my least favorite because it just pointed out to me how uh, horror was sort of passing me by, at least, uh, at least new releases. Um, and I wasn't keeping up with them. But I'm really looking forward to the top 10 this year uh, myself, you know, just just to, because now I'm finally at a point where I can participate and and uh, 
I can't wait. I can't wait to see what uh, what you guys come up with on your list. Mine is taking shape. I still have a lot to see yet, and I just can't wait. I can't wait for that episode. Mm-hmm. And as for me, you can catch up with the sister show of this. That's a movie podcast weekly where we review all genres, but it's the new stuff that's in theaters. We have a great episode that's coming out like this Sunday, this weekend here after Black Friday, where we interview the director of Time Freak. His name is Andrew Bowler. That's a film that uh, a lot of the hosts on our podcast really enjoyed. Um, Not a horror film just telling you but uh a good time for sure so uh, make sure you check out that episode we trashed that film widows because we were disappointed it was so hyped up so if you want to hear why like what our complaints were check us out at moviepodcastweekly.com otherwise we love your comments and so we hope you get involved in the horror movie podcast community you can leave a comment in the show notes for episode 162 here or email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com You're always welcome to leave us a voicemail just as Trey and Victor and Jody did at 801-382-8789. And you can find all of our episodes at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com, all 162 of them, as well as our back archives for the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis. We hope you'll subscribe free in iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, so you get every single thing that we release. And we're also on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast, as well as Instagram. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our horror movie podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. And we also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his orchestration of Fred's original theme. You can find Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. And they're always linked in the show notes as well. And I think that's it for episode 162, Straw-Headed Horror. We thank you for listening. We hope that you had a happy Thanksgiving. And please join us Friday after next for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.